0: BLOB TALK RADIO Rivetti, what's up? I'm sorry, sir. It's just a difference of opinion that got out of hand. What about? It's really too silly to talk about, sir. I'd rather just forget about... I don't
1: give a damn about what you'd rather forget about. Why were you two fighting?
0: Well, I said that the Kirby Silver Surfer was the only real Silver Surfer. And that the Mobius Silver Surfer was shit. And Benefield's a big Mobius fan. And things got out of hand. I pushed him, he pushed me. I lost my head, sir. I'm sorry.
1: Rivetti, you're a supervisor. You can get a commission like that.
0: I know it, sir. You're 100% right. It's never happened again, It better
1: not happen again. I see this kind of nonsense, I'm going to write you up. You understand? Do you understand? Yes, sir. You have to set an example, even in the face of stupidity. Now, everybody that reads comic books knows that Kirby Silver Surfer is the only true Silver Surfer. Now, am I right or wrong? You're right, sir. All right. Get
0: out of here. Yes, sir. Oh! You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind. 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 A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, D-Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse, Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. and introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linné. Mind expansion engaged.
1: people i never absolutely never get tired of the applause folks this is the grindhouse edition the infamous grindhouse edition of afro nerd radio featuring my stalwart companions the crew members of our mighty star trek or uh, spaceship afro nerd of course those members would be yours truly d bird aka the afro nerd the uncanny daryl b Our left coast, west coast correspondent, Claire Lene, and of course, Captain Kirk. The caller number, always a balmy, warm, constant, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Don't be scurred, as they say. Feel free to buzz on in with your questions, your protestations, your queries, your disagreements. All of that emotion is all right. It's all good. Well, uh, there's a lot on the table per usual. We've got to talk about the Game of Thrones hack. We've got to talk about Dark Tower, which I have not seen. And I was really inclined to see this thing, Stephen King's Dark Tower, uh, highly anticipated, and yet it underwhelms at the box office. So I'm not so sure about it. Maybe I'll catch it on a Netflix joint. I, Regrettably, it seems like that. We'll get into it, folks. Legends of Tomorrow News, Death Wish trailer. Uh, Bruce Willis is getting his Punisher slash Bronson, Bronsonian thing going on. Anyway, let's go to a quick groove. This is going to be, um, well, you know what? I'm going to play, who else? It's going to be a Prince cut, but this is a lesser known unreleased jam. Give you about two and a half minutes. It's called Emotional Pump. Now, I believe he had written this for Joni Mitchell. But Joni Mitchell heard it and felt that she just couldn't quite pull it off, which is saying something because Joni Mitchell is a is a beast, uh, but Prince is funk, and I don't know if she felt comfortable groove. Anyway, we will interpret it for her. This is Emotional Pump. Prince will be right back, folks. Let's boogie. Cut. Emotional pump His royal badness, Prince This is the Grindhouse Edition, folks Let's just get into it Captain, you're needed on Hmm In the holodeck, of all places Let's get to it
0: Let's do it, let's do it
1: Alright, once a game. This gentleman, we we, uh, didn't get a chance to hear this gentleman's cosmic and comic wisdom because of a family concern, family tragedy. And and again, um, I know he's listening. Uh, He has my condolences and certainly the team's condolences for his loss. But we are glad that he came back. Um, And, uh, of course, uh, and I mean that sincerely, we need him because he knows a lot. He knows a lot of stuff. I know a lot of stuff. The captain knows a lot of stuff, but my memory just isn't quite, this, quite that eidetic. You know who he is, folks. He is the uncanny Daryl B.
2: It's good to be back. And to the uh, Milestone diehards that came at me when I said Milestone was dead, you saw what happened this week. We'll get into that more later on.
1: All right. uh, You know what? Uh, Let's actually move forward on that, because uh, when you sent me a DM, Daryl, you know, I had thought that we had discussed the milestone issues because of Jim Lee's statement that, well, don't worry. Milestone is still in full effect. We're still pushing forward. It'll be a couple of months. But there's actually another component that will probably delay this thing. And it's it's the, to the widow of Dwayne McDuffie. Unpack it for us, and then let's let's actually get into it, and then we'll go through the other topics as well.
2: Okay. Well, here, here's the thing. When I said Milestone was dead, all right? It was on two fronts. I knew just from from people I know and talking, I knew that not all of the Milestone people that held the Milestone rights was being talked to on this. Okay. That was the first part. Second part is we've seen how DC has treated the characters before, right? Some people took it as I was attacking Jim Lee. No, Jim Lee's a fan. Jim Lee did covers and, and drawings of this. You know, it wasn't that I was attacking him. He could say that it was going to return all all he wanted, but Jim Lee isn't in a position to, okay, uh, here's the money doled out for it. Okay, here's the negotiation. All right, is everybody on board? Jim Lee, at the end of the day, is still a figurehead when it comes to this. All right? So people took Jim Lee's statement and ran with it as a positive, and me, being the negative Nancy I am, I went, all right, let me. Let, where's the other shoe to drop on this one? Are you sure? Sure enough, beginning of this week, Article comes out talking about uh, Charlotte McDuffie filing suit against uh, uh, not all uh, everybody involved with Milestone 2.0 because guess what, Dwayne McDuffie still has rights <laughs> tied up in this. They never bought her out and they didn't include her in the plans for what was to go on. All right, he still had active rights to it. Matter of fact. This this thing doesn't happen, all right? If if McDuff, when McDuffie's last run with DC, and, and 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 how it turned out to be a car wreck, but how he was able to get the get uh, to include Milestone back with the with the JLA and stuff, if you remember his JLA run, which led to that right before his untimely death. I again, I, I'm I'm. I don't be, I'm trying not to be negative just to be negative, but when you're dealing with stuff like this, you got to make sure of all the rights, and all the T's are crossed, all the I's are dotted, and they didn't bother to do that. And folks, before you get on me, before you get on me on this, remember, remember, you had a similar situation with Angela, Neil Gaiman's creation, and Spawn and uh, I believe the, one of the types of spawns too uh, medieval spawn I think it was one of those that he created for McFarlane but he owned the rights to so when the spawn comic wanted to use Angela or, or that they never negotiated with Ga- uh, Gaiman about using those characters and that was caught up in legal hell to the point where they can't use them and Ga- Gaiman was able to take at least the Angela character over to Marvel with him You know they, There is legal ramifications here You could come out and say all you want But Sure enough You didn't follow through And and Charlotte McDuffie Filed suit against you And this is just another black guy So I, I mean I, Again that's about as brief as I could put that You know and and it's it's not that I don't want it to succeed, but come on, guys, you got to do your homework on this one. Back to you, Efren.
3: Yeah,
1: this is very disheartening, Daryl, because um, you know when they announced the return of Milestone a couple of years ago at San Diego San Diego Comic Con, there really was a lot of of uh, support and uh, kind of a a. You know, a, a real um, rambunctious – I don't know if rambunctious is the quite right word. There was a lot of enthusiasm that was coming out. It wasn't like something was mentioned and people had had a ho-hum. You know, this is the resurgence or the renaissance of, of comic books. So Milestone – and also the, di- the diversity issue is, is so big. The diversity issue is an ongoing discussion that it would be almost uh, – inappropriate for Milestone not to be back at this point. I mean, it, it would just be it's crazy for it not to be back so now that we're seeing that this thing is going on and, and um, that we were fortunate enough to interview you and I would implore our audience to actually go back into the archives and check out our interview with Dwayne McDuffie and I, I'm really elated in some respects, and I'm pretty sure Darryl uh, agrees with me is that, you know, we spoke for quite some time in the wake of mr mcduffie's passing that we weren't sure as to how the diversity thing especially with black folks how that was going, going to play out because truth be told dwayne mcduffie was was the the preeminent cheerleader for diversity especially for black imagery in comic books and pulp. he was that guy and i remember and Darryl, we had these conversations and i remember daryl remembers this i would look at him and say man i don't know if, if where did we go from here it, I didn't think there was anyone around that was going to pick up that baton. And I think maybe the beginnings of that is a shout out to David Walker. When we started having David Walker on the show, that's when I felt like, okay, this brother is on the same, same wavelength. And I, and I got the impression that, okay, he may be one of many. Not that I didn't know there were, that there were other people out there, but, but the, the, the mantle really belongs with McDuffie. And McDuffie is so... ...connected to Milestone... ...we know there were other components... ...other cogs in that machinery... ...but he is the face... ...of Milestone media... ...if you really want to be honest... ...so when we heard about... Uh, ...Russell Hutland ...coming back into the fold... ...I wasn't so sure... ...and we just assumed... ...many of us that his widow would, would have a part in this... We've, we've, ...we've heard of... ...Mrs. McDuffie involved in other projects... ...so... ...why not this one... Um, and, and uh, this is the kind of stuff that seems to be very much an ongoing thing, Daryl, because uh, didn't we hear in the media that Quincy Jones, Quincy Jones, of all people, who is a giant in the music industry, even he had to sue the Michael Jackson estate to get his guap. and hey, legal. You know,
2: Everything legal. It all comes back to legal, man.
1: Yeah, And, and he's another one. That, as, as big as Michael Jackson was, those who were musicologists or people who were just playing play old, just in, into this type of stuff, uh, he was his chief producer. All before, right before the 90s and Teddy Riley and all that stuff, Quincy Jones was really the uh, mastermind of Michael Jackson's uh, success in the late 70s and early 80s. So, when you hear that he wasn't included, chicanery. Is, is all abound. And I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, um, I guess I'm, I shouldn't be shocked with what happened with, uh, with Mrs. McDuffie. Uh, Cap, you have any thoughts on this? I mean, you know, you, you speak quite, quite uh, succinctly on these matters when it comes to business and contracts. What, what's, what's going on here? Why was Mrs. McDuffie left out of this? And isn't this going to delay matters even more with Milestone Media?
4: Oh, absolutely, it'll delay matters even more. Is, this is heartening enough for you to turn around and say, eh, maybe we just, you know, rack and shelf the whole thing, you know? At times, what happens in corporate America, it, it's a greed situation. No one does... Sometimes it's something, no, let's do the right thing. Let's bring in the proper parties and sit down and say, okay, if we make this, then you get this. If, you, if we make this much, you get this. Then if the parties Start getting greedy. Sometimes the people get greedy. No, I think I should get half. And then you have to go back and forth. You know, you're not necessarily a half person. Your husband is not around anymore. But we could throw you 20%. We could throw you this. We could throw you that. Sit down with the people. But as we see in most times, no one likes to pay <laughs> with anything. You pay insurance premiums, but when it's top of the insurance company to pay out, they don't want to pay We know this to be true. No one wants to pay anything. (laughs) So this is what you're dealing with here. You know, that's what you're dealing with here, man. Sit down with the proper people, man, and then go back and forth and see what's going on. As long as they're not greedy, because sometimes they are, a lot of times you can work it out. It's called doing the quote-unquote the right thing. But no one does the right thing, as you can see in society. They have to be forced to do the right thing. Back over to you, Afrinner. All right. Our own personal Wonder Woman
1: has arrived. Let me give her a a redo, redux, uh, original theme here. Hold on.
0: Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman. All the world is waiting for you. you.
1: That's not bad. Anyway, folks, our left-coast, west-coast correspondent has arrived. I'm gonna go with the original tune for a moment just to change things up a little bit but uh again we we are forever indebted for her knowledge of what she brings to the team you know who she is by now you know she's a very subtle woman dispassionate that's her thing anyway this is Claire Lane. claire is that you oh that's not as bad
5: i have arrived i was like wow you broke out the remix
1: well, I mean, you know, it
5: still sounds good. It's still you. Wonder Woman, it's
1: still you. Okay. I
5: mean, I All right, like here we it. go. Little, you know, I'm just slowing it down, slowing it down. A little, yeah. A little more funky.
1: Yeah. How are you?
5: I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I like how you said that I was very subtle and dispassionate. You know, I'm very <laughs> sedate.
4: <laughs> here we go. Aflano, your singing is the worst, man. Don't do that again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I made it worse, man. I'm actually kidding. I can, I can blow a little bit. you know. I got a little... I got some skills. Not like... Claire can blow, actually. Uh, you can see her on YouTube. She, she can get down. She should do some recordings, actually. Some more recordings. Well, that we know.
4: That we know. Yeah, we know, we she, know can she can actually blow, blow, actually.
1: <laughs> um, Claire, you came in on this. Uh, we're going to devote just a few more minutes and move it along. Um, you know, last week... Uh, breaking news that Jim Lee Came out to assuage All of our concerns about Milestone media he's like hey wait up Wait up people Milestone is still Going forward and then As soon as he says that uh, Dwayne McDuffie's widow Says uh uh-uh, uh not quite What about what about my involvement what about my husband's estate So we're hearing that um, Milestone media is being sued I'm going to read this quickly and I want to get your impressions Then we'll move along uh, we got to talk about uh, uh, Bruce Willis, Sean Hunter, and Paul Johnson. Um, now, why is Peter from up now? Uh, well, you know, I can't even get to the bottom line. Uh, at the time, or at, around the time of Dwayne McDuffie's passing, there was basically a 50% stake that he had. And Derek Dingle, have the other 50 percent something to that effect there's a lot of money on the line or at least a lot of percentage of nothing at this point a percentage of nothing so what are your thoughts about this kind of last minute thing we know we saw quincy jones of all people he had to sue for a similar situation um you're in hollywood in that area what What are your thoughts about that
5: well i mean i don't know i i'll, I'll to be honest with you, I don't really know much about milestone, but I do know about people,
0: yeah. <laughs> and I know
5: how greedy they can get. Um, even even when there's nothing on the line as of yet, but it just it gets to that point where it's like, no, I mean, if you're gonna do anything with this property, then I want my share, I want my cut, you know, I want my money. So I I get it. I understand how people are, and regardless of whether or not it's right or wrong or justified or even reasonably quantifiable you know in your percentage of what you're demanding i don't I don't really know the situation that well um, but the sad thing is is that you know it's like the chicken and the egg kind of thing because on the one hand, we cannot move forward with creating content and building up a company and, you know, moving on with our lives until we get this resolved, right? But at the same time, it's like, why are we even having this discussion about, you know, resolving when there's no money to divvy up as of right now? You know, they're, like, what are we, you know, what are we fighting over? You know, you if you're not currently producing or if you, you're not currently making product – then what are y'all angry about? What are you fighting over? So I'm not sure what the deal is exactly. Um, We've just become a very litigious society. But the thing is, is that as someone who personally has been involved in a couple different legal issues, I understand why we have them, why why we have these cockroaches that we call lawyers. I understand because on the one hand I feel like it's kind of sad that we got we can't just talk things through, we can't just resolve issues. We got to sue somebody and we have to take this to court and drag it out for months and years and however long. But I know that if I didn't go after the people that wronged me, then they would have gotten away with it. Just like I'm sure that they always do. You know, and I just wasn't having it. I just wasn't having it. You want to ignore me? You want to just, you know, brush me aside? Like, okay, no problem. I'll just get my lawyer to contact you, and then all of a sudden, oh, they're returning my calls. Oh, all of a sudden, they're a bit more cooperative. Interesting. Interesting how that works. So, you know, I get it. I get it. We all want our our piece of the pie. We all want, you know, what we feel is owed to us So best of luck with them Best of luck with You know the, the, the family the, Who's trying to deal with the estate Best of luck with Milestone If that company ever gets back on its feet We'll see I don't know It may let be the end this. or it just may be You know on pause
1: Let me, let me read Variety dot variety.com And then we'll move forward But it is interesting as to what she's alleging uh, Again about Charlotte McDuffie um, the, the widow In question, It says McDuffie's widow, Charlotte McDuffie, alleges that his estate was excluded from the revived venture. Now, this is where the chicanery start to come around. At the time of his death, McDuffie owned 15% of Milestone Media, with Dingle owning the other half the suit contends. The three partners did not buy out McDuffie's share of the company. Instead, they formed a new company called Milestone Media Company, LLC, also referred to as Milestone 2.0. We took control of Milestone's intellectual property. The suit alleges. Charlotte McDuffie alleges that her inquiries about the new company have been met with stalling and stonewalling. According to the suit, the new company is seeking to expand Milestone's relationship with DC Comics. Uh, okay, hold on. Now my now my uh, computer is freezing up on me. This is a brand new computer, by the way. All right. Uh, well, for the sake of time, I guess our, our audience. Our audience knows what's going on. For whatever reason, this revived company seemed to obfuscate um, McDuffie's involvement, and hence his widow and estate's involved
4: Hello. Now these folks. Hello. You chopping up a little bit, but go ahead. Continue. Okay,
1: so I, what I'm saying is, it appears that uh, you know when this was when they when they um, mentioned this SDCC a few years ago that. Milestone 2.0 was coming, it wasn't as if they didn't mention Dwayne McDuffie. They brought his ghost up in
2: discussing
1: Milestone Media 2.0. Now, but legally, it appears that they created this new company usurping, this is what the, at least what the suit alleges, usurping the original Milestone Media intellectual property. So they're going to, we have a new thing, but we're excluding the ghost uh, of of. Dwayne McDuffie, and that seems a little suspicious. Honorable people, because of this man's untimely passing, honorable people would have said, would have brought the wife in, all involved parties, and say, let's let's bring the band back together again. That's how I would have done things. But people aren't exactly who they appear to be, so it's, it's unfortunate. I hope they're able to resolve this. I hope they were able to finally get Milestone, because the diversity issue is very Preeminent now, it, as I said uh, earlier, it seems almost unnatural not to have Milestone Media back into into the fold, considering we're in the 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 renaissance of comic book pop culture, and also that the diversity issue is very strong. And
2: the 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 intent.
4: of sound like you're breaking up, or is uh, it just me? Does anybody else hear that?
2: Yeah, he's, he's, you're getting choppy there, man.
4: Uh oh. Yeah. yeah. but you're still choppy with it, as V said. Okay. Am I? Am I
1: still? Yeah. Yeah. here.
2: We, yeah, we're hearing you, but it sounds like uh, 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 uh. yeah. So your mic is well, your mic is wonky, son.
1: All right. Let me see if I can uh, get back again.
4: Uh, the, 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 you right. sound horrible, right. Apple. Though you sound horrible. See <laughs> <All laughs> if right. you can fix
1: it. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll be back. Let me go to a quick groove. See if I can. um I can fix this. Okay. this is just take a Just back Give me a few moments, folks.
4: Wonky, wonky. So, You might have to call in with your regular line and just, you know, toggle uh, that one on the off mode you know, and leave it on.
1: All right. <laughs> uh, to continue with Ali. Talk about Zazie beats That's the next one. i will try to call in a different line. Zazie beats and her Afro post. He's i to be a problem.
2: Uh, right back. All right. Uh, hey, well, Kat, What did he say? <laughs> hey, Cap, he said continue on. Uh, I guess pick one of the topics and we'll we'll just free, free freestyle on this.
4: Okay. Uh, did you see Detroit? Anybody see Detroit? We yes. gotta leave that alone. All right, Darrell. Talk about Detroit. The floor is yours. All right. Uh,
2: I'm of two minds of Detroit. Okay, and I, I I've said this before. I like that they went to visit Detroit, uh, or visit that, that situation, okay? I'm, I'm, one for, I'm one for political movies. I, I, I like it. You know, uh, the cast does a very good job in it, but there's one glaring omission. You mean to tell me there is no black women with any significant roles at all during this movie? I mean, Bigelow is a great director. But to me, that that's a huge oversight, especially in this day and age, where if you go through social media, and you go through and you go through um, a, a major reporting about a movie like this, black women's voices are going to be heard. I mean, <laughs> uh, a, I'm not I'm not being facetious here when I'm saying that. That is a major oversight. But as far as the quality movie, it's a quality movie. But if you're you're a a, a black person watching it, it's very very
4: noticeable.
2: Back to you, Cap. Okay. I'm oh, back. there he is.
4: Okay. Yeah, we're talking I, uh, about Detroit. <laughs> so we might as, we might as well just keep going. You know, I'll interject one thing, Daryl, in in respect to what you're saying. You gotta understand some. It's somewhat based on the situations that they had in Detroit at that given time, which dealt with black men. You know, so she's coming from that perspective. You understand? It's where you gotta be careful at times. Sometimes you can't be totally included. You know, sometimes you're not gonna get everything when it comes to inclusion. You're not gonna get the things are gonna miss. Meaning which sometimes it has to be that focus. And sometimes we have to focus on the women and leave a chauvinistic males, talking about myself, out of the mix. <laughs> That's what you have to do sometimes in order to get your story down, you know? So you, you got to look. There, there's some history there. It's not total. And they tell you that in the movie that some parts were alluded to, some parts were added in, you know, and things of that nature. But it's based on the situation they had at Detroit at that given time, you know, and there's documentation on that. That's what the movie's really coming from. It's coming from that perspective. Let's hear what Q Storm got to say. It seems like Q Storm has something to say. I believe this is Q. Q, is that you? Yes, sir. Go ahead, sir. Is, sir. The floor is yours.
6: Well, <clears throat> I saw the movie yesterday and I we we uh, uh, the fellows and I on podcast, we did a review earlier this afternoon Um I, I, I didn't hate the movie. I didn't hate the movie. But I walked away angry, not only for the events that I saw, but I walked away angry thinking this movie should have been a lot better. What do I mean by that? I hate movies where, they, where the screenplay feels like it has to, be, it has to goose your emotions. When the story in of itself is enough to make me feel a certain way. And if the screenplay gets in the way and it makes me, and and they write it in a way that they feel like, okay, we want people to feel something here. To me, you're treating me like an idiot and you lose me. And that's what I saw happen in this movie quite a bit. The other thing is that this movie, it took, it had so many different POVs that I did not know who to identify with. And uh, it didn't develop And it developed a couple of characters and it didn't know which character to, whose story to follow. There's one story that, um, that I found compelling that the movie doesn't pay off at all. I had to go look at it, look it up on Wikipedia to determine well, what happened to that guy. I had to look it up on Wikipedia. So I think it dropped the ball in that sense. It was a harrowing story. It was more of like a horror thriller, if you will. And I, did, But the thing is, and I, I won't, I'm not afraid to admit this, I will cry at the drop of a hat if you show me something emotional. There were moments in this film I should have been crying my eyes out, and I simply wasn't because I didn't feel anything because I felt like the movie was trying to tell me how to feel by the way it was written. And I, to, to go any further than that, I have to spoil it, which I don't want to do. But there are scenes where, they, where it's written like, hey, audience, this guy is a racist. See how he talks? Or this guy is one of the good ones. See how he talks to this racist? I just, I, I, I can't invest that much in that. So I was disappointed this movie should have been so much better. And it was, it killed, I, I was killed by by the screenplay. Can you guys hear
3: me?
4: Uh, no, yeah, we're we fun.
6: Okay,
3: all
4: right. I,
1: I have no idea what's going on with my mic, and that's a new mic, by the way. Um, so I guess you didn't hear what I – because I, I wanted to talk about Zazie Beats. We'll, we'll get into that, uh, into her afro. <laughs> There's a lot of afro to get into, so we, we can talk about her after this. So I, I take it you're talking about the Algiers mo- motor, uh, motel incident in the movie? Yes. Okay. I didn't see it yet. I know that uh, it's supposed to be a tour de force by Catherine Bigelow. We know her. Know her. What was the the, the film she did about uh, the the Iraq War?
6: She did Zero Dark uh, Thirty Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. Hurt
1: Locker. That's it. Hurt uh, Locker the one that really.
6: She also did Strange Days with Angela Bassett, which I don't think gets enough credit.
1: Oh, uh, that's another reason. Well. <laughs> Oh yeah 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 that that that's the one uh the yeah okay I remember that one. Yeah that was a pretty good film. It does it's not mentioned that much though.
0: That was, it's not yeah. mentioned that
1: much. Um well, again again I haven't seen it yet. I know that Rotten Tomatoes has given it a pretty high score. So w- what you just say Q is counter to what everybody else is saying. They they're talking about how this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. So I'm a little I don't know. <laughs> I have to see it for myself. Um Sorry, I guess I'm curious, uh, Cap, you, you saw it. what were your impressions of
4: it? I thought it was a very visceral movie, and they definitely captured the powers that be at that given time. That's how the powers that be, <laughs> and I used a blanket statement, got down. <laughs> Especially when you get outside of New York. So you definitely captured something within this movie. Definitely captured something within this movie. Was it a perfect movie? Was it the best thing since sliced bread? Nah. But it was very well done, as far as my opinion. And to, like, Q what Q says, that's what they were doing through the whole movie. They're trying to get an emotional response. It's kind of like a horror movie, just as you said, you know, where you have certain things, here comes the music, comes on, and ah! That's what they were trying to do through the whole movie, you know? that's That was the whole thing. It was a shock and awe. That's really what it was about, you know, So not better than is, Dunkirk. Well, Dun- Dunkirk is something different, you know? Dunkirk was, well, if you look at Dunkirk, it was... Which, I'm going to tell you, Dunkirk, I give it the cinematic view and everything else, because it was shot on 70 millimeter and all that other all great stuff. But I thought Dunkirk was only all right. I didn't see anything really special or anything like that. But the thing with Dunkirk, it didn't lead you anywhere. It let you draw your own conclusions. You know? That was the thing with Dunkirk. And it was shot incredible. Shot incredible. You know? This more or less plays on that white, black, Dynamic that society Has that emotion With that black man does This white man does this white man does this The black man does this you know You got the white girls let's treat them this way Let's treat the black man this way <laughs> You know It plays on all of that emotion That's what it plays on You know and I, I thought it was well done Very visceral if you're a super duper Liberal you might have a problem watching it. If you're Mr. Pump your fist In the air Black person, constantly twenty four seven, not partially. You might have a problem watching a movie. You have to be more even, you know, either left or right. You have to be in the middle. So that's just my opinion. I'll, I thought it was well done, but I don't think it's the I'll, best thing since sliced bread. I, I want to ask Claire something because, again, I haven't seen this movie
1: yet. Maybe perhaps I will, but I, I'm wondering uh, because of the climate we're, we're in, Claire. How much? Of, how much do you? How much of that do you think? Uh, may play a role in how we perceive these movies. Like in other words, uh, we may or may not talk about Confederate. Cause I'm, I'm almost talk myself out of discussing Confederate because it's really each day there's something else coming ar- coming around. Uh, our our uh, colleague in in move Nerd on, of on. Color Arms, our colleague of Nerd Nerd and Color uh, Color Arms, uh, Jamie Broadnax, as well as April Rain. Those they're, those they're, those two their names have come out more pronounced with the no confederate thing so now they're going full steam with the no confederate hashtag thing um but i'm wondering would no confederate if it were released three or four years ago during obama's uh presidency would it have mattered as much how much do you think the movies like detroit and some of this other stuff that's so racially charged do you think they might be perceived differently because we're in the midst of the uh, trumponi, uh, a Trumpian kind of thing going on?
5: Um, Were we even care a few years ago? See, that's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, we, we can look at Man in the High Castle with kind of this eerie sense of what if because clearly that is not what took place. That is not how it went down the Nazis, the Axis powers, the Japanese, they did not win, right? They're not, you know, they didn't divide and conquer the the US, the North American continent. So we can look at that and it does feel like this kind of um, you know, sci-fi kind of alternate reality, alternate history kind of thing and it look and it seems, you know, it seems fascinating because we can see it objectively and with a sense of um Like, wouldn't that have been interesting to explore? Hmm, because we're nowhere near that. The issue with a show like Confederate is that you can't say the same thing, you know? I did not necessarily expect this level of combative, you know, reactionary behavior on the part of social media, black Twitter, what have you. But I'm not against it. I'm not, you know, shocked, ultimately, because it doesn't feel so far away. It doesn't feel necessary, or even right, to ask, what if the South had won? What if slavery was still legal? What if this would?" It doesn't feel right to ask that question, because we're still in the midst of figuring out the animus and the hatred and the racism that has gone on even now to this day, years past, you know, slavery being abolished. So, you know, you can't look at it the same way with that same level of dispassion because you're not looking at it from a sense of, oh, well, it would it's, be interesting to explore if the Japanese took over the West Coast, and then Nazi Germany took over this, and what happens if blah, 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 or um, another alternate history type of exploration was kind of a, you know, sci-fi time travel twist. I don't know if you saw, what was it, eleven twenty-two sixty-three. Um Oh, yeah, I saw some of it. I did. James okay, Franco. Okay, so... James Franco, and it's, you know, basically not trying to give it away, but I'm just saying that it's basically this what-if exploration of, okay, well, what if I was able to go back in time and prevent the assassination of JFK? And just, you know, the whole thing is it's, it's very much that same notion of oh, that episode of Star Trek. Uh, what was it, city on the edge of forever. It's like you think you're doing the right thing, right? You think you're doing what's noble and good in that moment when you go back in time and you save somebody's life, but then you fast forward and you realize that everything went to hell, that somehow this instigated a chain of events that led to a fate even worse than we could possibly have imagined. It just has this whole domino effect that you can't possibly foresee You know, what was it? Another short story, classic, science fiction, Ray Bradbury, A Sound of Thunder. Great short story in written form. Terrible movie. (laughs) Just awful. But, again, the idea was if we were to go back in the time of, of, you know, the prehistoric, the, 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 the dinosaurs or, you know, whatever, if we were able to go back in time and let's say we accidentally... Stepped on a butterfly, thinking that it's so insignificant. How would this possibly affect anything? And then they go forward in time into the into their present, and then they realize that things are slowly unraveling. In you know, it's a different expression of of time travel than other science fiction stories, because um, usually when you go when you travel back, the uh, the changes. Seem to be instantaneous, um, or they have the kind of a sense of like moving along very quickly, like like uh, Marty McFly. I, the, the, do you see? Do you see how the examples are endless when it comes to rewriting history, going back in time, and exploring an alternate way in which the future could have you know unfolded? So many examples in cinematic history of this exact. Exploration or curiosity, okay? But it's fun because we get to see something that we're not necessarily entrenched in, that we're not right now suffering through. As of right now, look at the news. Look at where we are politically. Look, we are, you know, on the geopolitical scale. Like everything is telling us that there's still a lot going on when it comes to people not being treated equally as human beings, I'll just leave it at that. And because there's still so much pain and mistrust, you know, racially in in many parts of the world, especially in this country, to ask that question that this show wants to ask, it does seem like this could be a very mm, difficult thing to try to treat as art.
1: So you think because Detroit also... Because right now people are
5: still in, in that, you know what I'm saying? Like people are still in it. People are still so in you, it. And a lot of people still so feel like racism is very much prevalent and, and slavery is very much prevalent in, in, in certain parts of the world. And that mistreatment is very prevalent as of right now. So to ask that question as a what if, I can see how people would think that's very insensitive considering so you, where we are. So you...
1: So you think that also tarnishes Detroit as well? I mean, I really brought the question out to cover a lot of these racially. Uh, I hear what you're saying about the time issues with uh, alternate history and that kind of thing. But not not only are we talking about an alternate history narrative, but we're also talking about something that is uh, just a, a uh, historical rendering in the case of in the case of um, Detroit. I'm even thinking that even Detroit, is, which is based on a real thing, it's not even about alternate history, it's the interpretation of the riots of, in Detroit or an event that was connected to the riots of Detroit in 67, that this is, a, this is an actual thing, and we can't even, we might not be able to actually review that properly because of where we are today. I think five years ago, I don't think, you know, we had a post-racial branding thing going on. Not, if that, was, not that that might have been real, I don't know if that was really really a real thing, but it was out there no, it's post-racial. Think, everything, I don't everything's think all it good. Was
5: post-racial. That's I don't I don't agree with that term. Post- No. No, I think that what we what we experienced during the Obama, you know, administration and maybe not even within the, his latter term, the latter four years, perhaps the first term, first four years, when he first took office, and it was all about a new hope, a new sense of change, and, you know, the idea that maybe we're really turning things around as a country, I would, uh, I would agree that during that time period that we probably went through not post, not post-racial stuff, but a reprieve, we were able to experience a bit of a break, honestly, looking back and looking looking at how things are now, I would say I would say that sadly, that reprieve was really just an opportunity for our enemies to you know, the the racists, the, racist, the neo Nazis, the people that really want want this, you know, Confederacy Union back on track, and they want to secede from the U and they, they want all this stuff because they just, they were so disgusted by the idea of a black man leading this country. I think, honestly, that was them having that time to gather their troops and to have their anger fester. So that's why here we are now suffering the consequences or the, the, the symptoms of that reprieve by having the president that we have now. Does that make sense?
1: It makes perfect sense. Uh, to, our, to, our, to the folks holding on, I see some folks holding on. If you'd like to join in, you know, you know the drill. Just press 1. Press 1, that way we know that you are virtually raising your hand and you want to join in on our discourse. Again, it's 646 915 9620, 646 915 9620. We have a caller. We'll entertain the call, and then we go to a groove, and then we come back. I want to talk about Zazzy Beat's uh, lustrous afro and how it's a problem for playing domino for some reason. Anyway, <laughs> uh, welcome to the Grindhouse. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. What's up? Hello? Yes. Okay. Your name? All
0: right.
4: And where I'm you calling off.
1: from, Hi. sir? My name? My name is James.
4: From and where are you calling
0: from?
1: Okay, Atlanta. cool. ATL.
0: All right, all right. First thing, I don't even know what movie
6: we're talking about, but that last lady on the phone, she took like a half an hour to explain an episode of Family Guy. That whole alternate universe type of thing happened when Brian tried to stop 9 11 but ended up starting another civil war. Don't be pretentious oh. if you're going to explain an episode of Family Guy. Uh,
2: okay. Well, she has the form and the right to explain it in her way. I got rid of him. Don't I have to go through
1: all that. I got rid of right. him. I, I don't know what he was saying. He was being rude. We don't, we don't tolerate that. Okay, enough. Bye. <laughs> All right. <laughs> enough. Let us go to this groove. When we come back we don't talk about Zazzy Beats' Afro and somehow uh we can just. I, I will say this quickly. We might be able to discuss that okay, she doesn't look like the uh domino that that was drawn from the pages from a few years from, from decades ago. We know what domino looks like. That part I can contend with the costuming might be of issue, but I think they don't want to talk about race per usual, so they're going at well. Her her hair isn't functional for being an assassin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's
1: <laughs> seen oh. it, it, it seem to work. It's seen a work for uh, Thor, for Chris Hemsworth until he 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 shorn his locks. Uh, I, I don't quite get it. I think it's proxy for Negro. <laughs> go home. That's my that's my own my own belief system. I don't know. I don't know if it's not one if it's not one thing, it's another. But um, we'll talk about it, folks. This is the grindhouse. We'll be right back. More groove. Uh, uh, Erica Badu of all people. I'm going to go back in the past with a remix. This is Erica Badu on and on. This is the Invoker Remix. Give you about two minutes. We'll be right back. Zazie beats Afro next.
0: Oh, what a day. Oh, what a day. What a day, what a day. Oh, what a day. Oh, what a day. What a day, what a day. Oh, day.
1: do one of her seminal hits on and on in Volker Remix. This is, if you haven't guessed it, the Grind House, Saturday's podcast, six four six nine one five nine six two zero. Six four six nine one five nine six two zero. And apologies to my co discussants for the last caller. You never know who you get when these folks call in. I didn't quite get what was going on. I didn't even know what he was saying. He was speaking so fast and kind of just blubbering. I just know it had kind of a, a negative Tilt to it, and he had to, you know, he had to get the boot. What are you apologizing for? It's not your fault. It happens. <laughs> I'm, I'm apologizing to the audience. It's Nick Nodder. Okay.
4: You
1: know, right. Right. I'm not, not going to allow allow that. You know, you know what is it? They say, uh, I don't know. The thing where they say bye, something bye. I forgot. Whatever. Anyway, uh, Zazzy Beats. We know her from Atlanta and she's got a new gig with Ryan Reynolds. They seem to be laughing and getting along on the set. Um, I, we know clearly that you know, it is uh, Domino she's playing, but it's a different Domino. You know, We can talk about Fox and how they interpret Marvel characters.
3: Mm-hmm. I really
1: had no problems with, with the quote-unquote race-bending thing. Um, from my understanding, Domino's supposed to be albino, so if, if there's an albinism, I mean, they could have done that. Black folks as as all races are familiar with albinism, so I don't know why they why they did not go into that. We saw that Fox did that for uh, Caliban so they see, now I'm hearing I'm hearing vitiligo as a reason why her eye has like a discoloration. Um, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, it would have been interesting. I mean, again, anytime you race bend, there seems to be an issue, and yet. When you do see a race-bending thing, when you see an Asian interpretation of a character or a black interpretation, it, it comes off cool to me if it's done the right way. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with having her uh, suffering albinism. I think that's part of her, her mutation. So I don't know why they didn't have her uh, in the makeup chair longer to kind of give that effect and let her remain being, remain being African-American or African. I, I, don't, I don't know why that was necessary. But she's not hard on the eyes. I mean, if you want to go there. But I think some some of the, the 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 anger toward her and her hair, her her not looking like the character in makeup is separate from, I don't like her hair. Am I am I onto something, Daryl? What, what's really
2: going on? Well, hey, you you listen, 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 folks. <laughs> I right, I'm about to break it down. That guy from Atlanta is probably going to call back when I break it down like this. Anytime. A person of color, black person, hears, oh, they're perfect, but for their hair. We all know that's code for this character should be white, or you'd be better off looking more white, or why even messing with the character? The character should be white. Anytime time a black person has anything, whenever they say anything about hair, it's that. Okay. My my shoot back to them is, do you know which domino she's playing? Is she playing the 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 Vanessa Latino domino? Is she playing the plain white domino? Is she playing the domino with Zazz that was in X Force domino? Is she playing the 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 slightly squirrely domino that was in uh, Uncanny Avengers first spell? Again, this is what we're playing with semantics. All right. Zazie Beats showed her acting chops with Atlanta. Okay? And I think the Vidaligo thing uh, to explain the eye is genius. Genius. But, you know, for those comic book geeks, if you want, we could do the domino from the book, you know, but I don't know how she'd get away wearing like 75 uh, waist and shoulder packs. And carrying an oblong, extra-long gun, Liefeld style. Come on, guys. Come on. Zazie beats is hot. She looks good in the role. And and we just have to wait for it to come out. I uh, the, with the pictures, she's a, a a kick-ass mercenary. Now, if her first picture was as of a housewife, then yeah, yeah, we got problems here. But there's no problem with this. Get off your high horses. Back to you after nerd.
1: I'm going to interpret what Dow just said to the uh to to, to the nerds that have a problem. This is what Darryl, this is how Dow interpreted what he knows what you really are
0: saying.
2: Pretty <laughs> much. Yeah, I can see you. <laughs> <Pretty much.
1: laughs> can see you. <laughs> we can see you. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, our stalwart supporter and uh, definitely a, a person who knows his stuff. Q Storm, what are your impressions of the, of Zazzy Beats in this role? Do you have a dog in this race? Is, is, is that character even that? I mean, you know, I'd like to see any, any Marvel character get their day. So I'm not going to say I'm disinterested in not seeing Domino, but I, I didn't really have, a, you know, visceral, like I had a visceral connection to the ancient one. Because we've we've seen the ancient one for decades, so domino. I mean, you can take the, take the same argument about domino's existence, but uh, what are your thoughts, man? I I, I, don't, I don't I'm not angry about it. I can go either way as long as a woman can act. I'm good, and we know she can't.
6: Well, one thing I've learned is that you you're not allowed, and I hope I think Daryl will sympathize with me on this. <clears throat> you're not allowed to have your own opinions in the fanboy community, apparently, in the in the geek community. Because I just had to set some people straight on on Facebook in regards to this. People who, who, um, like one person innocently saying that they felt like Domino uh, should be portrayed as she is in the books with uh, the uh, marble white skin. If it's a black actress playing this actress, that's great, but paint her marble white. Her hair, I, I particularly don't care about, but I got so much um vitriol thrown back in my face simply for agreeing with this person for saying that told I was silly, stupid, ridiculous um and uh, my my thought processes are dinosaurish. Uh and I'm saying all I did all I'm saying is that I I prefer characters to be true to the book. Now, the whole blackwashing thing, I've let that go. It's not going to change anytime soon. So fine. I, I can see that, but if you can have um, Zoe Saldaña, this is my reasoning, this is my deconstruction. If you can have Zoe Saldaña play Gamora, and they don't maintain her black skin, they paint her green. Why is it uh, why is it not legit to say, listen, do let that woman have her hair, fine, but paint her white? I presume I don't know that much about the character, but I presume that. Is a part of her makeup and part of makes that makes her part of who she is. But boy, don't you can't express that. You can't say that to some of these people out here, man. You
1: know, you know, Q. That's why well, I just said that. I mean, I, I'm kind of on your side on this one. I, I don't. I think that uh, her ethnicity is is irrelevant for this role. And that's another component too. You know, when I, I was listening to Comic Book Cast, a YouTube, a growing or burgeoning YouTube channel, and it's difficult to listen to some folks that. Even though they're geeks, they don't seem to be really fully informed. Because they went into a whole thing about, well, I hope she doesn't play it sassy. And I said, well, I hope that's I hope that's not the case. But they seem to think that automatically, if there's a black actress, which maybe that's a possibility, that oh well, she might play it sassy. Well, you know, I, I hope that in 2018 that they don't play her sassy. I'm assuming she's going to play Domino.
2: Um,
1: but that's like, another I, I code about, word,
2: by the way. That is another code word. Play it sassy. Uh, so now you, know, no, you got to well, define what sassy no, is. No,
1: that's well, but bad in the hair. But wait a minute. I, I think they may have a a point because we do know that black actresses are given that kind of uh, tropey uh, way of acting because black women allegedly are sassy. Not that we not that black women and all women come in different personality types, but that's like a a stereotype that is ongoing. But I, I thought found it interesting that they would say that because I, I really. I mean, well, you know, listen, that's a hard one because we do still see people pushing that. I I wouldn't think they would do it for this, but who, how do I know? I I don't know. Um, I think it might be fair. To, I think it might be fair to ask, or or, or to be concerned about her. But I, that's not the first thing that was on my mind. I don't know why they brought that up, but maybe it's a fair question. I guess my thinking is, uh, I thought about Gomorrah. Gomorrah is played by an Afro Latina, and she still looks like Gomorrah. so. Uh, I thought it would have been cool for her to maintain the the African hairstyle, and still be the Domino that we're more familiar with. This is this is kind of a Fox issue with me, that Fox just doesn't like to interpret these Marvel characters the right way. I don't really care about the racial the racial um, connotation. I think it's irrelevant. I don't can know. I say
6: can I say just two two things, uh, Debra? Sure. Sure, sure, One, sure. The the sassy thing pisses me off. Daryl brought that up. I, I hadn't heard that. That pisses me off. Did Viola Davis play Amanda Waller Sassy? Is um uh, Candace Patton, is she playing Irene what's it? Um Iris Iris is she playing Iris West Sassy? Are That's any true. of the uh did did uh uh did uh what's his name? Michael B. Jordan, did he play Human Torch, sassy. Well, that might be a bad example. He probably he probably should have played him sassy. He would have brought some life to that film. But you know what I'm saying? Ooh. That is ridiculous. <laughs> we we've proven that we know how to act when we have to act. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's ri- that's ridiculous. And I lost my train of thought because I got so worked up uh, on on that part. But there was something else I wanted to say. I can't remember what it was. <laughs>
1: uh. Let me go to the captain, and we go to the, go to Claire. Cap, what are your thoughts about this whole deal? Any dog in the race? I, I thought that the, that the questioning of her playing it, playing it sassy, is, is like a separate thing that I heard on a separate podcast. Um, I'm inclined, I, you know. Listen, I, I think she's going to be fine for the role. Um, I do know that, that as far as Fox interpreting Deadpool, they they really were, for the lack of a better word, dead on. And I have my issues, severe issues, with how Fox interprets. They had they did a good job of Logan, they did a good job, great job of Logan, great job of Deadpool one. Um, this one seems to be off on the right, on the right start, but you know you, you got Colossus right. I mean, you know everybody else is got you know. So like Zazie beats I'm I'm all I'm in full support of her, but why not have her look more like the Domino that we we accustomed to with an afro, which would have been real slick and real cool. It's a little, you know, it's, to me it's more Fox-effery. It that's really all I have to say. But I have no problems with, with Zazie Beat. That could have been with any actress, actually. If it is something off-kilt with how Domino's really supposed to look, that's where I have a little bit of an issue. And that's fact, just the Fox thing. They don't want to interpret these Marvel characters correctly, and then they wonder why, uh, you know, people give them criticism. What are your thoughts? There's a couple of things
4: going on there in my question. I don't know what you just asked me, but <C abolitionists> <laughs> but the reality of it is, Deadpool is he's still white, right? Right? They it, it, took out Ryan Reynolds, right? So <laughs> <laughs> <I don't laughs> we're talking what about <laughs> I, I, mean... I'm pretty sure a lot of these people don't even know. Hello? to mutant, whatever. They probably don't even know how power set, man. It's a bunch of foolishness, man. You know, that's how I look at it. I have no dog in
6: the race. Well all those people that are complaining about how uh all those people that complained about how uh Ryan Reynolds looked as the first Deadpool in or- oh, Wolverine Origins. It seems like if you want it to go both ways, see that's how we do. We don't want to we don't look at both ends of the spectrum. Oh well, she's okay 'cause, you know, we want to see her black. That's fine. That's what she doesn't have to look at like, the character. But but Deadpool and Wolverine's origin, all garbage,
2: trash, garbage. Well, he doesn't that, like the character. Yeah, but that's where the vitiligo thing. Yeah. You know, that's where I will. Hey, you know what? It would be silly to have her be black and then have a blue dot over her eye and stuff like that. But the vitiligo thing—that's interesting. I I I want to see how they work with that because, I mean. W- Everyday people, you've seen more and more cases of vitiligo in, in today's society. That'd be interesting to explore. I mean, they won't have time because it's Deadpool and Cable and, and, you know, that story. But first time seeing that on screen, actually. So we'll see what's up.
1: You know, also, uh, Leslie Uggams, the great Leslie Uggams, playing Blind Al. Guess what? That was Blind Al. But, <laughs> like, you know, everything else is, is, in, is in line, and, it's, you know, that's it, when I was asking this of the captain, I guess I'm, I was asking a multifaceted question as to how Fox gets down. Even when they do things the right way on a rare occasion, hence Logan and Deadpool 1, they still have this thing about kind of going off tilt, and it doesn't necessarily work. If we saw her looking like she was a cosplayer as Domino, We've seen cos we've seen cosplayers of color still look very much like the character they're supposed to look like. And they still get and mind you, they still get their, their criticisms. That's where it's unjust. This one is like they open the door a little bit because well she does you know, we know what she's what she's going for, but this is to me just it's just you know what? Claire, any thoughts? <laughs> and then we'll move along. Um No, I don't really
5: care. I mean, honestly, oh, it's exactly as I anticipated. When people were, you know, hearing about the Zendaya casting, you know, for Spider Man, it was the exact same freak out, it was the exact same reaction, um, jump to conclusions about, oh, well, she doesn't have red hair. There's, you know, I'm like, okay, so that's why she can't be MJ? Is that why? Now, do I like the way that the movie handled things? Honestly, no. I'm. You know, I, I was out while you guys were reviewing Spider-Man, so I never really got a chance to talk about my, my take on Spider-Man Homecoming. There were elements of it that I really liked, but for that particular reveal or whatever the hell you want to call it, I thought that it was done very poorly. I would have actually preferred that she was somebody else. But that doesn't change the fact that literally a year, a year prior to Spider-Man Homecoming being released – when people heard about Zendaya being cast, it was the exact same BS. It was the exact same reaction. It was the exact same excuses that they were. everybody was talking in code. Oh, you mean she's not white. That's what you mean. Don't be talking about her red hair. Don't be talking about this or that. We know what you really mean. You're saying she's not white, therefore she can't be this, she can't be that, she can't be whatever. That's what you're saying. So stop trying to talk in code. We know what you're talking about. We know what you're saying. So this doesn't surprise me. This was inevitable. As soon as the images of Zazie Beats came out as Domino, I saw this coming a million miles away. And I was joking on my Twitter. I was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I don't care about the skin or the hair or whatever. I'm just looking at her breasts. Do you see this cleavage? Do you (laughs) see that cleavage? She was busting out of her outfit. She was ready to pop. Pop pop. Take an eye out. Okay? Like all I saw was cleavage. I don't know what y'all are worried about with hair and skin and whatever. All that's all I was looking at with that picture. If you wanna if you wanna be real, that's what I was looking at. I don't know what's wrong with everybody else that you are obsessing about these minute details, but if that's so important to the character, you know, that she be albino, then I'd have to look into that, because I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't have anything to do specifically with her power set, but I get it. Fanboys that are hardcore, they want things to be a certain way, they want things to look a certain way and follow canon to a to the letter. Okay, fine. You know, I don't even have that argument anymore. I don't have that discussion with people anymore, because... Whenever I come at it from my perspective, it's like, yeah, but if you if you did that, if you stayed 100% true to all of the canon, which is impossible, by the way, because everything has been retconned a thousand times. But let's just say that you tried, okay? What would that look like? It would look very, it would look very male, and it would look very white. That's just that's just the uh, the statistics of it. 80 years of comics. In America, and that's what it would look like. So I don't want to hear this nonsense about everything has to be 100%, 100%, you know, accurate, 100% what the original author intended. I'm not having this discussion anymore. I'm just not.
2: Okay, I'm marking down the date, August 5th,
5: 2017.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Claire got more reptilian than Afro nerd. Got it. Okay.
1: (laughs)
7: We're in the book. Well, you know, I'll, I'll
1: just say this much. I, you know, not to be repetitive. repetitive. I, I I think it's two separate issues. Um, the the, the fanboys can definitely get so anal where it's, it's 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 there's no movement, there's no sense of reality. Um, well, even when we Q we spoke about something uh, a few weeks ago. What was it? Um, the Inhumans, which is turning out to be. I, I think I even forgot to even mention it as as a discussion. We maybe <laughs> get into it, but they're saying the first the first couple of episodes were available for review, and it looks like a stinker, and people are saying it's exactly what it looks like. So with a heavy heart, I I hate to hear that. But it it looks cheesy, even though the second trailer, you know, was better. But they're saying, (laughs) no, this isn't going to work. And Marvel's not going to be able to hit all of them out the park.
0: Uh,
1: Doesn't necessarily necessarily have to be that way. But I think the the race-bending of characters... It's you know it's cherry picked. I think it should be explored when it when it's plausible. When it when there's really no issue with it. Zazzy beats playing Domino for me doesn't take anything away from anything. I my only request is uh, it's like if 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 um, if we saw a different looking Gamora, you know we might have a problem. <laughs> you know Gamora's look is is important. So, I mean, the, the argument can be made, but the actress playing Gamora is irrelevant. I mean, the fact that it's Afro-Latina, does, she still looks like Gamora. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you know, uh, that's the only issue. I, but these people, and I think I'm going to chime in with what Claire is saying, is that they're going to the next level and saying, well, the hair, no, what you really are saying is even if she was in full cosplayer-like costuming, you would still come up with some ish. And that's what I think is what's really going on. My only complaint is I wish he looked a little bit more like Domino with the damn sexy-ass afro and big breasts since uh, Claire's opened up that door for me to be able to contact There we go. Anyway.
6: (laughs) But you know what? I think it's because Domino's skin is white. That's why I think that's what these fan brothers say. Oh, we have to rail against that. But if, if the character's skin is green... Uh, they'll be the first one in on the line talking about. Well, she has to be painted green. I, I I think that's a part of it.
1: I don't know. It's if it's not one thing or another. We're going to be going through this for the end of all time, when racism is over and we'll be long dead, and our 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 uh, antecedents will be long dead before racism is actually over. <laughs> I don't think it's ever. Yeah. Now you
6: Now you're in my territory, Star Trek. Thank you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and even then, that's a problem.
3: <laughs>
1: even then, the new even the new Star Trek. That's what, not to go off tilt, but that just angers me. For all just the fact that people are actually critiquing Starship for di- I mean Star Trek for diversity when they tackled the issue 50 years ago. That's what that's just whatever. I'm I'm getting more like Claire every day. I'm done. All right, uh, let's go to another topic. Let's move forward quickly. We got about a, a, a straight hour. Death Wish, the trailer. Um, you know, listen. I like uh Bruce Willis and I think that what he's going <laughs> to do can't be good. <laughs> well, listen. What he's going to do with uh, M Night Shyamalan and how he was he was reintroduced. I've always wanted to see uh the sequel to uh now I'm forgetting What was the name of the damn movie. <laughs> uh,
4: Unbreakable. Die hard.
1: Unbreakable. Um, Unbreakable. I always wanted to see the way it was done. I wish more. I wish people more. I wish more of this MCU DCEU would employ some of the tactics that M. Night Shyamalan did. I mean, he had a lot of a long time, a long list of clinkers, clunkers. But uh, the way he was able to introduce, this, as in an undercover way, this sequel was masterful. And I wish either MCU DCEU would employ some of that. So I'm 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 a supporter of. Of Bruce Willis, but this death was something you just can't go back home, come home to. Charles Bronson was so seminal to that role, and even The Punisher, we know that you know The Punisher is really kind of it just it, it, just like Luke Cage was a product of black exploitation. The Punisher was a product of what of those revenge films represented in the 70s. But going back to that. I... I you know, All I could think of was that I really want Punisher to come out When I saw Death Wish I don't know what the eh. What are, what are your thoughts about it If anyone saw the trailer Let's go to uh, The Uncanny
2: Okay here's my problem with this Right We just went on a, a whole Pseudo racial bent Okay You're going to release a movie like this It is important It is imperative That Along with the people he's gunning down, you have positive images in this, too. The problem is, you look at that trailer, and um, you know what, son, I'm falling on here. Where's my positive images? Yes, it's a vigilante movie, but all people of color don't, don't have to be the ones being gunned down. Excuse me. The writing's on the wall. You're going to release this. This is just like the Confederate thing in this sense. In this age, you're going to release a movie like this, and you don't have it balanced from jump, you are going to get slaughtered. If you didn't see the trailer see the trailer and then come back to me and tell me what person of color, I'm not saying black but what person of color do you see positively represented in the trailer? That may be in the movie but this is the first trailer you decide to put across all social media platforms and then expect people of color to be like well I like it it's positive get the fuck out of here with that back to you nerd.
1: you know I hate to say this I hate to say this, but as you were talking, you know, I I do I don't remember everybody. I do remember there was there was a Latin gang trope that I saw in the trailer. Um, but I do recollect that he did seek revenge on one person that was a mechanic that was white. So I don't know how even killed the racial the racial representation will be in in Death Wish, but uh, I thought as you were talking. Just as we saw the multiracial family with the vulture. That could have been something that could have been employed with Bruce Willis. I mean, if you're going to do a Death Wish trailer, then really update where we are. And the, the whole thing of the whole innocent white family thing, um, that doesn't necessarily have to play the same way. It, it's, it's like I – guess, I guess this is just the way Hollywood operates – it, it, it's 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 piecemeal time with these people. It would have been interesting if you had a black woman as a wife, or or, or even an Asian woman, or or any, any woman of color that caught it, and then you would have had a different dynamic. Then it wouldn't have been so racialized, or could potentially racialized. But then Hollywood doesn't really—they're not up to snuff. And to be in well, 2018, coming around now. That, that I, I think that would have probably assuaged some of your concerns, Daryl. Well, no, I'm, I'm not yeah. just
2: saying it like that. I'm not saying it had to be a family member or the title role or anything like that. All right? What was the Denzel thing, the protector, right? Was that the Denzel one? No, the, uh, no that was on The Man on, on fire? What, based, no, no, not no, man no, on The Man on TV, Fire. Based on the TV series? It was a TV yes. series oh, now.
6: the Equalizer. The Equalizer. Yeah.
2: In that, you had equal representations – in that movie, where there were positive images and negative images, either way. The problem I have looking at this trailer is you you brought up the mechanic, that's the white dude, da da da, da. but I'm looking for a positive person of color image in that movie, on the trailer, and I'm sorry, I'm seeing the same stuff I saw in the 70s, where... 90% of the, the the criminals that Bronson gunned down were people of color. You know, when you sit down and you're just like, so he they're gonna just drop him into Harlem and he's gonna just shoot up people. Oh, they're gonna drop him the back of the East L.A. and he's gonna shoot up people. These are the true criminals in his eyes, right? This this is what I'm gonna have to sit through like 90 minutes of this. This is what I'm gonna sit through. Like I said. Get the F out of here with that. Uh,
6: you know, you guys make me laugh sometimes. Did you guys not see the part of the trailer that was? It said, from Eli Roth?
4: Well, there, yeah, there go. it goes. There you go. Are you You're looking at your consciousness? You nailed it. you looking at consciousness from Eli Roth? We nailed it. <laughs> Come on. That's what I was going to say. Thank you, Q. <laughs> well, isn't Eli Roth somewhat connected to... Uh...
2: To your to your to our friend
4: Yeah, uh, He is. Yeah, he is. But still all in all.
2: <laughs> you know, he's a student of
1: that genre, so he might not have been you know, unfortunately sometimes these people they're so caught up in trying to reboot and revitalize something that they don't they don't bring it up to where we are. It it, it could easily be oh, I'm just gonna do I'm just gonna do my version of Death Wish without realizing, wait a minute. I can't do a 1974 Death Wish. I have to do a 2017 Death Wish or 2018 Death Wish. I
4: mean, we're, asking a, we're asking a lot to, for people to be evolved, unfortunately. But that's what well, here's, here's the problem. The first thing you see in the trailer doesn't capture the city that it's in. When you had the original Death Wish, it captured the time. Oh, man. Right, right off true. the back. That, that, that's a huge problem, man. It's a huge problem right there. You, you know, you got to capture... The time. You got to capture the city. You got to capture the beef. It looked like in the trailer, you had this happening, and so you just came out of another dimension, and I put these people here. Like they don't belong there. <laughs> you know, that's how, you know, that's when they talk about the beat of the scene, the feel of the scene. So whoever who he had putting those scenes together, they don't know how to capture it. You know, it's like, okay, I live in Texas, but I know what to do. It. But you know, no, you don't. That's a big problem right there that you see. You see right off the bat. Nope. And the the positive person it, it's Sway. You know, that's who you see. <laughs> yes, yeah, true. Yeah, it's, it's Sway. Sway Sway was, in Luke,
1: Cage. You know, Sway was in Luke Cage you know? and now I see he's also in this film. You know, uh, Yeah, he's making right it loud. Right you were right on time, <laughs> Cap, because as I'm if you really want to get into it also, those other films we could concede them forty years later. But when you think about films like Mean Streets
4: with That's De Niro right. or mm-hmm.
1: uh Fort Apache with, with Paul yeah. Newman
4: uh, it was going
1: down. Go Go. Or or, <laughs> or even um uh, The Warriors. All right, any yeah. any of those films they were so they, New York listen, early 70s New York was a problem. Okay? Yeah. Uh Bernard gets, even into the 80s, Bernard Guest, the infamous subway vigilante. These things were real. The crime rate in, in New York was a reality. But now, you know the, if, from what we're told, the crime rate in New York is like 1960s now. I mean, it's outside of Chicago. Chi-Town is getting it in. But we're just not at this, that same place at, the, at this point. So I think that's problematic to what we're seeing. I, I don't know how you could interpret a death wish. It's got to be updated in some way.
4: Uh, the, you the
1: names you... have to change
4: i give you a movie. All right, you ready? But they don't, they don't want to do it. They wouldn't do it. All right? We go to Maine with the opioid epidemic. Someone breaks into your house, kills off your family by mistake because they were really looking for drugs. And then you go around, you start running. And you put a couple of black people, Asian people, and a few Latin people. You put them in a the police department. Maybe you could turn around and say, okay, we make some, uh, you know, we switch it up a little bit. There's an Asian woman who's running the police department up there, and they're looking to bring in the vigilante and also the people that's going around doing it. They won't do that because it's too real. You understand? Know, it's too real. That's, that's You just updated the movie. It's not you even what we're doing in Maine.
7: You even know Maine? what?
1: There's a reason why it's, reason why it's called Afroner Radio and the reason why uh, the captain, that rings more true today. But like you said, the opio, the, the opioids... Opio Epidemic. We see news reports on this thing every day. That is something that's current. But going back to like 1980s cocaine, come on now. Or that's that, that's that's a stroke of genius.
6: Q. Or spend your money on the Jackie Chan film where it's an uh, personal color Asian man taking on uh, uh, taking on a member of the a former member of the IRA, and it has a theme of terrorism. That's current, yeah. and a yeah. personal caller in the league. Mm-hmm. That's
2: true. Really? Well,
1: listen, you
6: – well, again.
2: Well, <laughs> hey, I, see, I, no, I will say hold that. On, I hold, on, pl- Darryl, I, hold on, Hold on, Darr, hold
1: on. We have another caller on, on hold. Uh, to our, Again, to our callers, if you'd like to join in, press 1. If you press 1, that way we know you would want to join in, in our discourse. Press 1. It's like a virtual hand raise. Uh, okay, okay, caller, we see you. Darryl make your point. They're gonna, I'm going to bring in the caller.
2: Okay. Uh, the Foreigner is the name of the movie. And I'll say, I played it at my bar, and we all stood shocked, like, oh, my God, this is the Jackie Chan film we've been waiting for. He's not cracking jokes. He's being serious. And you have essentially uh, 007 being his opposite number trying to deny him. I mean, a serious Jackie Chan. We all know from the Joker when clowns or people that that are naturally funny, times they get serious, they could go to that dark evil place. That cue hit it. That, that 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 the right there is perfect. That's that's the Punisher we need.
1: Uh, I'm going to go to the call, and I, I just incidentally, I nominate Claire Linet as the uh, police sergeant that that was just referenced for that role. I'm just saying. Five one five. Welcome to the Grindhouse. Tell us who you are and where
7: you're calling from. What's up? This is the one and only you. How are you guys doing tonight? You hey, doing well, sir. Oh, good, good. I uh, agree totally about this Death Wish thing. That trailer was one of the most tone deaf things I think I've seen in forever.
0: <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah, I, I think
1: the done. Punisher Netflix series is going to be the one to really watch out for. And it just it just seemed like. Death Wish. I mean, Death Wish. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I mean that the Punisher uh, Netflix series seems to be something that everyone really wants to get into, and this it, Marvel has done it better. Maybe I mean something about Death Wish just doesn't ring for today's audience, unfortunately. I, and I yeah. really, I really like, I really like Bruce Willis, but I'm more eager to see what he does with M Night Shyamalan than I am for this thing.
7: Well, they like they couldn't get the. They seem like they couldn't get the tone down. I mean, the, the beginning of the trailer Absolutely. is all dark and death wishy, and then toward the end, it seemed like you know he was the guy from Red. It's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna you know this <laughs> <crack laughs> up and you know go kill a bunch of you know gangbangers in funny ways. It's just
2: point it's, to the caller. That was a good one. That was a good one. Red, yeah.
7: Red was good yeah, by the way, first
4: one anyway. Oh yeah, Red I like was both great, of them. But it
7: was just yeah, but it was just it was just it. You know, it's Eli Roth, so that's always a little bit of a problematic thing because he could never seem to stick to landing on any of his movies. So, you know, this is a surprise that he couldn't tonally, you know, stick to it and make a, you know, either a grim and gritty or, a, or like you said, you know, kind of, you know, treat it, you know, treat it more as a, a romp type deal. But, uh, right. you know, as far as the Jackie Chan deal, I remember reading that novel like a long time ago. And so it's, it's kind of an interesting fit for him to take that role. Well,
2: just to let you know, it's one of the things that if they were, like the rumors were that he was going to be, or they were going to contact him for Expendables. And I went, I I went back then, I went, hey, if you're going to put Jackie Chan in it, you're going to have to flip the script, he's going to have to be a bad guy, and he's going to have to be bloodthirsty. And everybody looked at me like, wait, why? Because we get jokey Jackie Chan everywhere, all right? I could count on, on my hand the amount of serious, like, roles where you're not laughing where he's in there. You're just like, this guy can actually kill me. I, I've laughed at him for years, but this guy could actually kill me. All right? In the, in the trailer. In the trailer. The scene in the forest for the foreigner. See how he takes that dude out and how he does it slick and quiet. And remember he naturally has these skills people
0: <laughs> That's not just
2: Hollywood.
0: No.
1: Nope. All right. Let, let's let's hear from from Claire on this. Claire, any thoughts on the Death Wish trailer?
5: Um <clears throat> I just pulled it up. Uh right now watching it as you guys were talking. Um You know, it just it feels it's dated. Just, I mean, we, exactly. I mean, you, you just, you, you you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, we've already basically established that, you know, it doesn't feel current, you know, it doesn't feel like it understands its, its audience, a modern day audience right now. Um, it feels very old you know and not even old in the sense of the actual original you know Bronson and and the Brit and the and the Grimm and movies like you know death wish and and french connection and and stuff that were you know dark and grim and you know had that that harsh harsh style in terms of how it expresses the scene a chase um the the gruffness of the character whatever i'm not even talking about that kind of dated i mean dated in the sense that this is something that maybe would have been okay 15 20 years ago you know if this feels very you know 90s um with the the with the white the angry white guy you know just feeling like no i'm not getting my fair shake, you know. I feel like I feel like I'm I'm about, about to see a cameo from Eminem or, you know, Limp Bizkit. Like I feel like <laughs> this is just it just I don't know. I mean, obviously I have no interest in seeing it and like you said, I'm okay with Bruce Willis. Like I'm okay with him, but the thing is is that the genre is starting to parody itself. You know, the thing about when you see the first Taken with Liam Neeson, you're like, oh, okay, cool. This guy's getting up there in age, but he's still able to be a badass, and and even with just his voice, just the the letting him know that you know I have a very particular set of skills, and and uh, blah blah blah, and just being able to evoke that fear and intensity within that scene alone. I mean. You you thought you were seeing something interesting and kind of fresh, but then by the time Taken Two and Taken Three, run all night, it's like okay, all right, well, I'm be beating a dead horse here, because at at a certain point there's just no there's no ne- necessary plot, you know, or character development or anything, really. It's just all. It's all the same stuff that we've seen, you know, over and over again, and not just within recent years, but, I mean, like, within the last few decades. So, yeah, this is a a skip for me. This is the same. Remember back in the day it was called straight-to-DVD, straight-to-video? Yeah. Well, nowadays it's all straight-to-streaming. And if you look on Netflix or Hulu and you look at their library, there's a lot of these B, C movie kind of, you know, filler type of movies, and um, it just it's clearly a paycheck, you know what I'm saying? It's well, a you
0: paycheck.
6: Know, Claire, Claire you, you described it, you hit on it, you said this looks like it'd be something for the early 90s, this is very cyclical, we saw this in the early 90s, uh, with Michael Douglas falling, falling down, Falling down. falling down for the Trump era, where you have a skin-headed looking dude, instead of a corporate Dilbert looking dude, so... <laughs> We just got to weather the storm, and hopefully in 2020 we'll, get, we'll be done with this type of, uh, this type of thing.
0: Hey, F. Uh, Gary
2: Gray, if you're listening, let, let, uh, I want to pitch to you our version of falling down, all right, where it's an angry black nerd, a blurred angry black woman who just gets fed up with the system and just loses it and starts gutting down everybody in sight. And it has to be an Asian or a Latina uh, cop that has to bring him down.
0: Wow. Do mean, I, don't too.
5: I don't know if I – because it's funny. As soon as you said, yeah, I nominate Claire to be one of the – the thing <laughs> is, is that I don't know if I want to be that, you know, kind of, um, you know, that CCH pounder. Um, oh, my God. There's another one that I'm thinking of, and I'm, I'm not – Remembering her name But I mean I'm not sure if I want to be that role As of right now Or if right now I want to be Some kind of anti-hero Like you know My own version of Punisher Where I'm just
1: Your first check is $75,000 For the season series one First episode Not what you say (laughs) (laughs) I hear silence
5: well, I mean, first of all, I don't know if it worked out that way, honestly. But, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, as a, like, I would love to be, I would dream of playing a role like Frank Castle. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I mean, you want to bring in the anger, you want to bring in the intensity, you want to bring you. in the me against the rest of the world, I can bring that. I got that in spades.
2: Li- essentially, she'd be Lucy Liu from Kill Bill One, but in this one, the white girl doesn't win.
6: No, I was oh, thinking she'd be like Carmen and, and John Wick
2: too. <laughs> oh, hey, yeah, boy, hey. you took away two of my guns. Here's my third. Boom. Where all was right, she well, hiding that?
1: All right, to the listening <laughs> audience again. This, you wow, get a guess,
0: a down. damn, <laughs> dude. <laughs>
1: If you haven't guessed it, to our listening audience, this is The Grindhouse. The call-in number is 646-915-9620. 646-915-9620. All right, uh, another break four minute, folks. I want to talk about, after the break, Dark Tower, what happened. You know, this was a heavily lauded, much-expected piece of art that now folks are saying they don't know what they're looking at. Darrell, did you happen to see – have you seen Dark Tower? I mean, you did yes, see everything. Yes, so. I saw it. I'll be able right, to get it, into it little. All. All. all right, hold it. Um, quick Groove, about a minute and a half. Program by Living Color. Living Color is back, folks. New cut. Alpha Punk in a few weeks, obviously. Hold on, a minute and a half, then we'll talk about Dark Tower. Hold on.
4: To see a a, a black rock band like... um
0: da 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 da-da-da-da-da,
4: da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, who the fuck was this, man? Man, who in the fuck is this fucking group, man? What, what are
7: you
4: talking? About? Oh 90s. Living color? Who? Oh. Living color? Living fucking color. Living fucking color. Find me another rock
7: find me another black rock band.
4: Chris Bone, most that's try to do a rock band.
7: Find me another way. rock band, seriously. <laughs>
1: Group, black rock and roll, most definitely Afro Punk. Uh, the boys are back, and also they happen to be not only Afro Punks, but also Blurred's Corey Glover, Vernon Reed, Living Color program. that I would think that that particular cut is probably, and excuse the expletives in the beginning, my apologies for the cursing, but that particular song seems to be part two of a cult of personality. If you were to listen to it closely, is talking about what we talk about, programming, and how uh, what we know and love or what we would want to see is a program kind of thing. We can't get to where we want to go because somebody else makes that decision. So uh, always on a political kind of edge of things, living color. All right, folks, um, let's get back at it. Dark Tower, Stephen King's Dark Tower. Daryl, you saw this thing. What happened? Stephen King.
2: All right, I thought it was okay. I mean, uh, McConaughey's good as the villain. Uh, 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 when you see him, it echoes. Uh, I forget the name of the actor that played Randall Flag on on the TV version of The Stand, but he he like channels that. All right, Alba is good uh, as 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 the gunslinger. The problem with this is it felt like a mishmash. I mean, I have the problem that I've read the novels, and even if you tell me this is all new material or this is paying homage to one of the books and stuff, it felt like, to me, five of the seven novels were all squished into this movie, where it got spliced, where, like... I, oh, 10 minutes here. And then all of a sudden you jump 10 minutes here. And then all of a sudden you jump here, 15 minutes here. And then it, di- it didn't run continu- continuous to me. Cont- continuous to me, excuse me. All right? Now, I've, now, my other problem with this is I've heard tales from people I trust of going into movie theaters where there was only three or four people in it on opening day. Dark Tower wow! and I'm like and I'm thinking to myself and this is unrelated but I'm thinking to myself you know Dark Tower has been doing the media full court press for 3-4 weeks now through the last month you've had Dark Tower ads during baseball games during other movies during, they've put the press on with this where well, you would know that at least the Elba and McConaughey fans would come out and see this and then I thought to myself also, this is also the weekend that they pushed back the Halle Berry kidnap movie to. So that was going head-to-head with this, and that hasn't had one-fourth of the advertising to it, <laughs> to go out and see it. So if Dark Tower is doing weak, can you imagine how the Halle Berry movie is doing? You know, a Sometimes you scratch your head, and that's where these crowds are fickle and stuff. Because it's Stephen King movie, Idris Elba, Matthew McConaughey. It, that should be at least the 25 million opening weekend, right? Twenty five thirty up to this point. I mean, that should be money in the bank. Just goes to show. As sure things aren't sure things in this age of social media, in this age of uh, of the millennial, in this age of, well, hey, we're going to put it out there and we'll see what happens. Back to you, Nerd.
6: Hey, Deep, can I say uh, one comment? One quick what's comment? Up? Thank you, of course, of course. Um, I, now, I am constantly, I live by my computer and my iPhone, so I'm always seeing ads pop up for movies this and that, you know, TV shows. I I did not know this thing was coming out this weekend. That's the first thing. Really? The second thing. Second thing is the last thing I saw about the Dark Tower. I, thought, I think I read this Wednesday was an article that said that they had tested this film in front of audiences and it did horribly. So I'm thinking, oh well, they got to go and do
2: some reshoots,
6: and then we can come like Dark Tower's opening. What? So. I don't know where this full press came from. It didn't hit my area in Pennsylvania. And the second thing is, they tried to put all what is it, seven novels into one film.
0: I again,
2: I said I thought I saw like parts of the five of the books that I've read in this one movie. They said, to me, they did Scott Pilgrim versus the Universe versus the World on this. Where they, you try to fit all of this material into one movie, and believe it or not, Q isn't far off with that because, again, one of my sources, or oh, in up in in uh, Chicago, Detroit area, said, you know, there's 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 no posters in like their urban cities and stuff. There was no posters for it. There was no thing. So that's one of the places I heard where, hey. It's opening night, and we only have three or four people in the theater. I mean, here in New York, we got the Dark Tower ads. You could see them, Harlem, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens. I saw it all over the place. I'm watching games on TV. I see the commercials all over the place. But if if that advertising wasn't universal, then that goes a long way to explain how it's such a limp beginning to this.
1: You know, I I also think, you know, we're at a point where a lot of the uh the fan base for these movies, I mean the you know, I don't want to say the fan base, the the perspective audience for these movies, they may not necessarily be that literate. And that's sometimes what we have to get out of our own heads because even going back to the domino thing, it's we we are so invested in Domino, even those who have, you know, even the the, the clowns that have a problem with with her race, is because they're actually read the stories. Uh those who were were aware of Dark Tower who read the books, but unfortunately, you know, looking at the trailer, I think the average person, since they even though know, if they didn't really have full knowledge about what the Dark Tower story really was about, they didn't know what the hell they were looking at and even I'm hearing now that even within the movie, the movie was some somewhat short uh it was short to its detriment where they skipped over a lot of plot lines, it didn't flow properly. Folks really didn't have full explanation. They didn't know what the hell they were looking at. And that That's a problem. I think for, for people who just want to see a good movie, they kind of at least have to get the gist as to what they're going to pay 20 bucks to see. And I think that's what really happened with Dark Tower. I think people just didn't know what the hell it was. All they knew was it looked like it's some kind of noir western with Idris Elba versus uh, Matthew McConaughey. And the I think folks needed more to really get invested in this thing. I just think it was lazy. It, was a, it felt like a lazy – people know when things are kind of lazily done. Same thing with this inhumans thing. It looks like it was lazy. Like they really didn't put their full heart into what's going down. I, that's, I mean, that's just my opinion. Uh, Claire, any thoughts on, on what Dark Tower represented, why it didn't do? it's not doing well?
5: Um, I mean, I've seen the ads. I didn't really have any particular interest. Um, I don't know. I don't know. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. You know, Hollywood has to realize that star power alone is not going to sell a movie. It doesn't matter if you're Tom Cruise. If the mummy itself looks tired and, you know, not particularly engaging, then, people aren't going to respond. I mean, his name does carry weight overseas. That's that's true, undoubtedly. And it probably carried enough to garner or warrant a sequel, I guess. I mean, besides, they, they trumped up their their dark universe, so they probably don't want to risk looking incredibly foolish, you know, with such a a bad start, you know, possibly crippling that, you know, that potential cinematic world that they're trying to build. But I don't know. I mean McConaughey and, and Alba they're they're terrific actors. They're known. They're respected. But the actual movie itself kinda looks it just looks bizarre. It doesn't really know what it wants to be. I don't really have any interest in seeing it. Um and to be honest with you, I don't even have that much interest in seeing something like Ready Player One, and that's Spielberg. And to me, what I saw in the trailer doesn't really make me want to see it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I just—it's gone to the point now where there's just such an overabundance of content that I have to be very selective about what I watch because I just don't have the time anymore. And it doesn't matter if it's Tom Cruise, Steven Spielberg, or whoever, whatever, that you have a pretty good, you know, list of credentials, you know, stacked. But I just I just can't. I can't do it. I can't be bothered unless it's something I definitely want to see.
2: So if it doesn't hook you, it, it's uh, uh, later.
5: Exactly. Like, I'll catch it whenever I catch it. I'll catch it when it gets on streaming at some point. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's (laughs) where I'm at at this point. And not to say that what I want to see is always going to be very highbrow or the best of the best or whatever. I just saw Atomic Blonde. Now, the movie itself is not that good. I'm going to just be real. It's the plot is paper-thin recycled spy thriller stuff that we've done, you know, gone through a, a million times between Mission Impossible, James Bond, and what have you, okay? The execution of it is just it's it's whatever. It's a little confusing, it's a little convoluted. I'm not watching it for that. I knew exactly what I was getting into when I paid for my ticket. I am there to see Charlize Theron whoop some ass. <laughs> That's what I paid to see, and let me tell you, she delivered. She delivered. I want to work with that director. I want to work with this guy. Those two guys from 8711 Action, they've done stunts for 20 years, and now after doing all second unit photography. and and choreography and and whatnot, now they're they're moving up. They're moving up. They are now officially in-demand directors doing John Wick or, you know, Atomic Blonde or Deadpool 2. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to work with these guys. So that's why I wanted to see that. Not because I'm expecting to be Oscar-worthy. I want to be entertained. I want to get something out of it. And I want to see a strong female protagonist, you know, beat the crap out of people. I want to see that.
2: Okay, better than Salt.
5: Salt was okay. I mean, I, it's, I'll be honest, it's been a long time since I've, I've seen Salt. Um, salt was okay. In fact, if I were to be honest, I, I think plot-wise, it's probably almost toe-to-toe on par. Fight fight sequence fight choreography fight brutality hands down atomic blonde
1: well i got to say this much
6: i i well, part of it part of that
1: movie i mean at least the trailer there were aspects that were kind of sort of pulling me in but then i was uh, I, I don't know <laughs>
5: i exactly. guess it was the, it's be- just like it meh.
1: Was it was the believable – one thing about actually dark tower and atomic blonde uh there there was, there was the believability factor for me that, that kind of threw me off with atomic blonde uh i, I appreciate the, the the female aspect the female because i think all of us want to see that, but i had to go i hate to racialize everything, but the impossible uh white man white woman thing is it it it, it drones on me sometimes I'm like ah you know. Honestly, I'm a little bit, I'm not the biggest Taraji P. Henson fan, but her upcoming film, which is kind of harkening back to an Atomic Blonde kind of thing, interests me because it's not just her being a woman. It's not even her about her being a black woman. It's also because it comes off as if it's revitalizing the black exploitation genre. So it's like it's bringing a whole bunch of stuff with it versus Atomic Blonde that, you know, you're just trying to sell me on some, tall white woman kicking ass it, it's kind of uh, limited not if you're going to draw me in to believe that she's going to be actually kicking ass and, and also the fact that, that Taraji P. Henson is playing kind of an assassin and uh, I think even the, the font for her film is a pa- Pam Greer homage so it's like a lot of stuff involved with her doing her uh, I Am Woman thing and, and, and kicking ass and well, you I'll still probably think.
5: go see that, too. I mean, I'm just saying, it's nice to be able to see a person with a vagina, you know, actually getting to be tough and, and, and leading the charge. I mean, at this point, I don't expect to ever see another Asian, you know, headlining, you know, being the top of the marquee. Not, I don't expect that for a while, if ever, if I'm going to be real. But if I can at least see a woman, hell, I'll take it. I'll take something.
0: I hear you. Proud Mary, I mean, I, mean I get it. If it's not your hard. cup
5: of tea, no problem. I totally get that. It's not for everybody. I've seen so many men hating on this movie just for even existing. So I get it. It's not for everybody. I don't care. But, I mean, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you know, because there's so much going on, there's so much out there, there's so much crap, you know, to try to, navigate through.
1: And, again, just to our listening audience, I was talking about Proud Mary. Proud Mary is coming out uh, January 2018. Now, uh, January film releases scare me, so I, I hope it it doesn't fall prey to what we know to be January film releases. But okay. the score, the, the the music, we know Proud Mary, the song. Uh, it's a lot going in. The font again. I'm looking at the poster. The poster looks straight out of 1972. Pam Greer. So I'm I'm kind of invested in that. But uh, Atomic Blonde. Eh, you know, Here's I, I want thing. to like it. <laughs> I want to like it.
4: Here's the thing. And what, what these people have to understand. You see, Wonder Woman works. Everyone believes Wonder Woman can jack up everybody. It's built in the yeah, newest fit. So. You understand? She can kick ASS. We know that. She can kick superheroes. She gives Superman a run. She might kick Superman's ASS, catch him right. You know, remember, Superman doesn't have any uh, fighting training. <laughs> she does. So, you, you, you know, so you get a Wonder Woman. Now, let's go back to Salk. You have Angela Jolie, 125 pounds, 130 yeah. pounds maybe, bull rushing. I didn't say she chokes a man out, bull rushing, 200-pound man. You don't explain that. How is a woman able to do that? So what they need to do, this is just a suggestion, in these trailers, you have to explain that somehow. It's not just the training. You understand? It's her, does her you know, okay, you could say within the trailer, Her mind makes her more powerful due to the training that she's had. The NSA, the CIA training, or the MI5 or MI6 training. That has to be explained. Otherwise, it just looks like a regular woman who's smaller, who's had training, regular fight training, that's beating up a man. Right away you go, that's not believable. But But if you do it the other way, you go like, oh, okay. It's like she's a superhero, but she's not a superhero. That's why she can kick his ass. All right? Let's go see it. Let's watch this woman beat up these men. and need to be beat up. <laughs> it makes sense. Otherwise, it's just some wish upon a star business, man. You know? And that was the problem with that sort movie. That was why Angelo. come on, Jermaine, come on, Angela. Stop it, man. You ball-rushing a 200-pound man. You pushing him back. Really, dude? But was a woman? Hell yeah. i Oh we know that, that man. You know something Girl. else? Uh Melinda
1: May, uh aka um Ming Na Wen in SHIELD, I don't have any problems with her kicking ass. Because mm-hmm. we, we, that's right we, first of all, she's a SHIELD agent. We we kinda understand her process to get to where she's gotten and she embodies that role and we see, her, we see her doing these intricate moves. We, yes. You know, we see, we see her. All right? So, you know, I, I, you've got to explain stuff. I mean, this, this is even beyond gender whatever. We just spoke about Dark Tower, that you can't keep on doing this stuff and have no explanation. That's all it is. Matter of fact, when we saw uh, uh, Linda Hamilton in the second Terminator movie, we saw this woman go through hell in an insane asyl- asylum. Mm-hmm. This is going back 25 years now. We saw the process. Everybody believed, and she doesn't really get enough credit for being a kick-ass uh, action woman. And I think that if there's going to be like this, uh, I don't know, Daryl, if you could tell me whatever happened to the Expendables. Bells. Uh, but I, maybe she was supposed to be a part of the Expendables. Bells. But anyway... Man or woman, we've got to get. A, 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 even Batman has a whole, uh, a whole history a of point. explanation as to why yeah. he can kick ass. Yeah. But you just can't have some tall, blonde white woman. The impossible. white We've seen too many impossible white people doing things.
0: That's, <laughs> what, that's what. That's.
1: I'm just. That's just. But it's really because of that.
2: Well, well, you you guys brought up May. May is a good example. If you go through Agents of Shield and stuff, you see her fighting. Yeah. But you don't see her throwing people around. That's why I brought up Salt. Yeah, that's why I brought up Salt when it came to Atomic Blonde because, like Captain said, one thing they had Jolie doing that was she was flipping guys. And I'm not talking about using leverage to flip or using her mind, just straight up flat-footed, oh, get out of my way, oh, like, you know, that. but that's why, because folks, if you don't know, Claire, Claire, if you see her, uh, her training wheels, you know, she can break down action. I mean, the two the two girls I go down to break down action when it comes to women fight scenes is her and Lexi Alexander, 'cause they they they're in the business, they know it. So that's why when she brought up Atomic Blonde, I brought up Salt and Cap Hit. Why I brought up Salt? Like, yeah, really? No, 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 no. You know, you know
1: someone else. Um, I think she's an MMA fighter, uh, and for some reason I find her attractive. <laughs> anyway. The woman that was that was the kind of that was going head to head with Colossus. Yeah,
0: yeah. People, uh, yeah. Who, she, people, Who
1: people, Caruso? It, she's in Deadpool. I'm sorry. Go
2: ahead. Go ahead. Was it Gina Caruso? That's Gina her. Carano. Yeah. Carano. Carano. Yeah, Gina, Gina
4: Carano. I yeah. mean, there's
1: pictures. There's pictures of her as Wonder Woman, and she's got the build of the Wonder Woman that we probably would have been more like accepting of. And she looks like she looks like somebody that I would not necessarily want to be taken on. You
0: know
1: at least that kind of physicality anyway, no. So, uh, I mean, you know, there's a believability factor that, that just kind of has to be addressed. In all of this stuff, to be honest with you, outside of just like a woman kicking ass, half this crap needs to be I understand where you guys are
5: coming from. Like, I, I, I do. I totally do. But it also, it just, you need to see it. I'm not saying you see it for the plot. I already made that clear. Not about that. Definitely not about that. But once you see a couple of these fight scenes, I mean, it is highly impressive. I mean, even from a man's standard of a fight scene, this was brutal. This was like bone crunching. Okay.
0: Right.
5: So don't act like, oh, she's a woman, she's a white woman, so therefore dismissed. No, you, you need to at least see what took place. And if you don't like Charlize Theron, that's fine. I was not watching it for her necessarily, even though I do like her. You know, I like strong women. What I was watching is the fact that, you know, the the director who is, as we speak, you know, working on Deadpool two. I like the fact that I was able to see an an, an example of his work, of his style. It'll definitely inform as to what is you know going to be brought to the table for Deadpool, and and future films to come. You know, I'm, I mean, well, I'm assuming you guys saw the John Wick movies. That's Chad's the the other guy. It's not David Leach, but what I'm saying is, is that there's there's a lot to, to the reasons as to why we watch movies, and I get it. He, you know, Impossible White Woman, that's a turn off, I totally understand. But a lot of people could say the same thing about how we felt when Gal Gadot was cast. You, you hired too. some some skinny model from Fast <laughs> and the Furious? Really? But she
2: was an Israeli soldier. I keep on like telling too, people. What when when heard that? Yo, Israeli soldier, go you know, like, they're training, and I'm coming from an American military background here. Isra- you don't, what you see Israeli soldier training on the thing, you could list model, cream puff, da-da-da, Israeli soldier training. You stop and you do that white man blink type thing like, wait, did that just say Israeli soldier training? Yeah, when I heard the massage
5: what thing, I'm is, is that you I kind of shut chance. up. <laughs> you gave her a chance. You saw the damn movie, right?
2: No,
1: but, yep. but, but that's true, but Daryl mentioned something. But, when I heard massage, I shut up. I just thought personally, that's not why I shut up.
4: I saw her in the uniform. I liked the way she looked. So <laughs> <Well>, that too. <laughs> that was that. was that. But at the end of the day, she's Wonder. Wonder Woman is super that's She kicks her ass. No problem. I know that. <laughs> okay, let's, let's move forward we got about 17
1: minutes remaining, let's move forward still uh, More calls on the line uh, If you'd like to join in, press 1 That way we know you want to join in Again, to listeners, uh, some folks like to listen Through their smartphones, that's cool But if you want to join in, press 1 That way we know you want to join in, join in on the discourse Moving forward uh, I guess this was out there already it's The first time I heard about it um, You know, I mentioned before that Prince was supposed to be allegedly by uh, Cheo Hadari Coker. Uh, he was a Prince. He's a Prince fan, and uh, the in Pop's barbershop for Luke Cage, the infamous uh, the infamous curse jar was in homage of Prince, and that Prince was he would want it, He wanted Prince to be probably one of the musical montages in that Netflix thing. So that's one thing that kind of bothered me. But I've always known that. But I'm just hearing about this David Bowie deal. That David Bowie was pretty much given a gig for Guardians 2, Guardians of the Galaxy, to play one of the, I think one of the Ravagers, and he died like a month before filming. And I'm thinking, wow, if I had seen two of my musical heroes in my favorite properties, I would that would have been the, that would have been the cat's meow, as they say. Um what are your thoughts about? I mean, David Bowie, you know, he's already Ziggy <laughs> Stardust. I mean, he would have been perfect for some kind of intergalactic thing. Um, what are your thoughts about that, Daryl? I mean, that, that you know, there's nothing we can do about it. But what would have David Bowie? What would have been, What would it have been like to have David Bowie in Guardians Two?
2: I mean, it would have been a, a great homage.
1: <laughs> you know, I mean, his music
2: and and Stallone. I mean, I mean, David Bowie. Even if you go with a Prince, you know that those would have been great homages. But the, again, can't turn back time. You can't stop fate. You can't curtail destiny, right? So it'll, it'll forever be a thinking father for us. Like what? What could he have possibly been? I mean, I love I love Jeff Goldblum at that, but David Bowie fills out that role better. Especially if yeah, you ever saw Labyrinth. I mean, his look in Labyrinth. I mean, you know, enough said. <laughs> he, he would he would have filled up the Grandmaster look uh, uh, perfectly. Or even uh, all due respect to the uh, who is it Del Toro that's playing the Collector. All due respect. I mean, David Bowley, you could see in those roles easy. Uh, A you know what could have been, could have been. That's well, I all. Tell you, I tell
1: you, having seen uh, and one of my favorite movies too, um, Prestige, when he when he played Tesla, and I didn't know that he was in that film. So when I saw it for the first time, I was like, whoa, David Bowie's in this thing, and he's playing Tesla. It it does bring it it brings up the film a notch for me. So sometimes when you don't know these people are in there, that's another thing. But when they when they're iconic in their own right and they're able to transcend being David Bowie in a film. It does do something to the film, I think.
2: But at the same time you said it, all right, we've all said it. If he would have appeared in the film, There'd be some section in nerddom that'd be like, "Well, why is David Bowie in here?" Uh, hey, okay. hey, hey,
1: come on, you know that would happen. Well, <laughs> that, that's listen. That's one of those ignorant types because David Bowie, going back to the late '60s, early '70s, his, his whole his whole gender genders uh, uh,
4: bending. What's the word I'm
1: looking for? Well, not just the gender bending thing. Fluidity. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's the word I'm looking for. His androgynous and, androgyny and the science fiction, the man who fell to the, fell to the earth, I mean, he's, his connection to acting and science fiction and weird looks is just correct for guardians. He's just correct. I want to sh- – sh- shut up. Okay,
4: I give you that. I give you that.
1: <laughs> Not to you, but that. to, the, you to that. that person. To that person.
2: But yeah. you know <laughs> that – you know. I you know you that. there'd be people that doing that. Just like – all right, all right. I, I'll I'll say it straight. I had people that got mad. You brought up Prince and and uh, Mr. Coker and the inside of the barber shop. All right, and 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 there's the pictures and then there's the books. And like, oh well, they they hitting us over the head too much with this black stuff. Okay, well, whatever. All right, but <laughs> it's just to let you know. it's Harlem, so what? Okay, and it was a black guy that told me this. i repeat. Let me, let me, if if I'm lying, lightning strike me dead. Uh, After the first few days of the cage, I had a black friend of mine. (laughs) Just hit me over the head with well you see the Prince picture and all those and all those books they're reading the bar and show, that's way too much of the black thing for Luke Cage. So you think oh, this is gonna be silly. No one's gonna complain it. Sometimes the complaints come from directions you don't even expect. I guarantee David Bowie and Guardians two, there would have been people going Well David Bowie doesn't exactly fit. Yeah, okay. And And we would be the first ones to go, like, ground control to Major Tom.
3: (laughs) Space Oddity. Tell me
2: David Bowie doesn't
1: fit. We're going to move forward, but I'm just going to say this quickly. That's why I have issues with folks that are just coming into this genre and don't understand that there's a connective tissue to a lot of this stuff, that it just doesn't begin with, like, 2005, 2010, when you – became consciousness, when you became conscious that there's, there's history. You know, when they, when they mention uh, when, when you see something like um, Blade Runner and then you fail to, to talk about um, Philip K. Dick. I mean, it, there's, there's a process to science fiction as, as opposed to just looking at a movie and that not knowing that it's history connected to all this stuff. That's just being ignorant. David Bowie, belo- David Bowie belongs in a space opera. News at eleven. I mean, there's no way to get around that. Someone now who hears him there, that's because you're ignorant. I think you're on to something Sorry.
4: with that, nerd. I think you're on to something with that. Mm-hmm.
1: Because I hear a lot of these people talk, and then they, they talk as if they have no knowledge of the genre they're talking about. Nothing. They're just walking into it now as if they have full knowledge. When they say people having a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing, that's what they mean. You know a little something, <laughs> and then you go full throttle as if you know the whole thing. You know, when people talk about Planet of the Apes, they, they say, well, I didn't like the first Planet of the Apes. What's the first Planet of the Apes to you? Well, I, I think the one with Tim Burton, I didn't like that, the first one. <laughs> that's, that's, why, that's why I have to walk away. I'm sorry. You 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 need not – you go away. Go home. I see you. I see you. <laughs> Come on. Knock it off. Let's go forward. Let's go forward. Jonathan Hickman got a clue, Darrell. I think we knew about this maybe three or four years ago already, but for some reason he felt comfortable in disclosing it. That uh and I like Jonathan Hickman. Matter of fact, I think Jonathan Hickman should get more credit for for increasing the power set of the Black Panther. Um, he's the one that came up with the whole deal with um kind of giving him an avatar-like power set. So I, I, I have a special affection for Jonathan Hickman for what he did to that character as of late. That's more of a recent thing, giving him uh, the power of the dead, the king of the dead title, and him being able to access the power set of past, past Black Panthers, not that dissimilar from Aang. I've yet, although we have yet to see him utilize that power set. Is that correct, Daryl? Not really. Have we really been able to actually see him use
2: that power? Well, uh, if you pick up the, the last Ultimates issue that just uh, that came out a week and a half ago, you get to see him use some part of it in action as he takes on another avatar of the Marvel Universe.
1: Okay, I'm going to have to get that done, <laughs> like tomorrow. Um, so this time around, he says that the reason why they stopped printing the Fantastic Four, this is Marvel Comics now, This has been been a minute. The reason why they stopped printing it is basically in protest of Fox having the movie rights to the Fantastic Four. I mean, I guess we always figured figured that, but uh, this is a creator saying it straight up that they're not they're not gonna. We may not ever see a Fantastic Four comic now because based on what he's saying. But we kind of knew that, didn't we?
2: Yeah. Like how many months did I go on the air and saying, I'm a fantastic four fan and you're essentially screwing me because you made that bad deal with Fox? I I can't get a proper representation in the movies, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the cartoons, no. But meanwhile, you're using Fantastic Four storylines for Avengers Assemble. You're using Fantastic Four storylines for your MCU. You, hell, 75% of the characters in the MCU <laughs> was, came out through the Fantastic Four comic book. But no, 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 no. No, we're not going to actually have a Fantastic Four comic. And then you'll give me Secret Wars. Where, uh, and I love Hickman, all right? But essentially, that was a Fantastic Four storyline, how that played out, okay? So after that, I need a Fantastic Four or at least a future Foundation book. No, no, no. We're going to put Bing, uh, Ben Grimm is going to be with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And, and Johnny Storm and is going to be with the Inhumans. Uh, he's he's now uh, Medusa's love slave, and the Richards clan are going to just be exploring the multiverse. Uh, Fantastic Four? Can can I get a Fantastic Four? Of course not. Why? Well, we felt it was a business decision, and no one's really interested in the Fantastic Four. Bull schnookies. <laughs> Go like yeah, but but it has nothing to do with Fox. Double bull snookies. Bro this is just confirmation that, you know, Dow B isn't always crazy, y'all. Sometimes what Dow B says he he's got his thumb on it. Well, thank you, Mr. Hickman, for finally proving my point. Oh, just eighteen months later. Back to you after Nerd. All right, I'm going to,
1: because of time constraints, I'm going to kind of just run through some things and then pop, have people pop in with their comments. Um, I'm kind of happy to hear this. I hope it works out. Uh, to the listening audience, we've mentioned this quite a few times. Constantine, Matt Ryan, the actor. Uh, Constantine, I actually liked, and again, multiracial casting, but it should not have been on NBC. Uh, it lasted for a season, and then they brought him back in Arrow. And I think there's talk about bringing him back for Legends of Tomorrow. And Legends of Tomorrow, uh, I think Claire isn't necessarily a fan of Legends of Tomorrow, but uh, actually uh, Legends has kind of gotten uh, its own fan approval, that it seems to be getting heavily lauded, maybe because it has embraced its campiness a bit, but they're not afraid to kind of get all these characters out there. So there's talk about bringing, bringing Constantine aboard the Wave Rider. And then there's also, uh, uh, they want to kind of go more into Vixen's backstory. We have Vixen's, I think, grandmother or great-grandmother. Maybe his grandmother, I think, down. Is, is she the grandmother
2: of Vixen? Uh, I thought uh, the, well, the, act- the actress you showed in the article, that's who they're going to have play her sister, I was thinking. Yeah,
1: well, well, that's true, but I'm talking about the, the, the Vixen that we know now. In, not the vixen that we saw in Arrow. That's the current vixen. But I'm talking about the vixen we see is 1940s vixen. Because in, in, she's, she's been taken out of time. And there's going to be a whole vixen arc with the sister played by that actress. Uh, maybe the, the, the vixen that we knew from the, the 2017 is going to come back. I don't know. Well, but we can only hope. Thing.
2: Because that's one of the things I wanted on the crossover – when they were back, it like here's the Legends of Tomorrow crew. Here's Vixen interacting over here during the crossover. I'm like, so you didn't call the Vixen of our time? I would have loved seeing that, that interaction, the Vixen from 40s, the Vixen of current day. It, it, just just a story idea, folks. Just a story idea. But it's CW handling a POC storyline. I, I I they gotta tr- they can't just flick this off. This they got to treat this good.
1: Well, didn't they, you know, she, they had a whole thing about her um, being told about her history. When you, sometimes they're reluctant to tell a person their lineage and their history and how she's important to her, her, her grandchild coming to fruition that she carries on her mantle. But where we left last season, it seemed like there was a whole screw-up with the time when you saw dinosaurs in present time. So they're going to have to address that. And there's also this whole uh, connection to mysticism. So I guess, because you know that Vixen uh, in part is a mystical character, mystical power character, and the need to bring in Constantine also connects to that as well. So I, I think, you know, again, it's all campy fun. Some, it's not necessarily a cup of tea for everyone. But I do like the fact, what you just said, that they might be kind of tapping into, uh, you know, a, a, an African-inspired storyline and also the mystical thing with Constantine. So I I kinda dig that. Cap any thoughts on um on this, this revelation with Legends of Tomorrow.
4: More power to it. That's all I say. I like the Vixen character, you know. She does what she does, you know, with her amulet. Let's do it. That's all. All
1: right. Um let's go to let's go to Claire. Uh, quickly, I want to talk about this Game of Thrones deal. Uh, admittedly, I'm not the biggest Game of Thrones fan. I, I, just ha- I wish I had time to invest in that. Uh, can't invest in, it, invest in everything. Some folks take away your nerd credentials when you say you don't know that much about Game of Thrones. But I do know that they were hacked. <laughs> that much I do know. Uh, they were hacked, and it was a serious hack where HBO employees, high-ranking empl- employees, their personal information was disclosed. Scripts were disclosed, uh, although that's separate from a leak of a future episode. I mean, the future episode, I think, was separate from this hack. But what are your thoughts about this thing? They're, they're likening this to uh, the Sony hack from a few years ago.
5: Um, I think what I've heard is that, in fact, it's even worse. Uh, we're talking wow. about a few um, a few terabytes of data. Um, I'm not really sure. I mean... It seemed as though the Sony implosion occurred very quickly, and it was all kind of tied into a controversy of that movie, The Interview, uh, which was making fun of um, Kim Jong-un, I believe. Right. Um, So I don't really know necessarily what the deal is with this particular hack. I know Netflix was hacked recently. But again, that one blew over very quickly. So I I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I kind of suspect the same thing will be the case for for HBO. I really don't see this going anywhere as being like this monumental um crushing blow the way the hack against Sony was for them. That was just devastating. Um So I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't really know, I don't really care. I don't keep up with HBO content, to be honest with you. The last HBO show that I saw was Westworld. I don't really watch um, anything from that, that particular network. I mean, not because I don't want to, but as I said before, there's just a lot. There's way too much to unpack. There's way too much to keep up with. So it has to be something that really speaks to me, something that I really absolutely want to see. Um, So I think they'll be fine. I don't think it's going to be this huge thing. It'll blow over. They're talking to the FBI. They'll investigate. It'll probably go nowhere. They'll probably never find out who or what entity did this, you know, and it's going to happen again. And I'm sorry to sound kind of fatalistic about it, but I'm just, just kind of going over, you know, the patterns of what's been going on with technology and, and these hackers and, you know, like the whole thing about hacking is that there has to be a point to it.
0: Yeah, there thank you. There has to be a
5: point to it. Because if not, then the it blows to over very fast. People forget. People don't care. the The point to hacking Sony was specifically to destroy them. It was specifically to hurt them and punish them and embarrass them. And kind of dismantle the whole infrastructure. It was meant to be a way. And listen, we don't have all the facts, but come on, it's a bit of a strong coincidence that this happened literally right as they released that movie. So you know, we know the purpose of that that uh, that punishment that they took. But as for this, you know, with Netflix and HBO and all these other um, content providers, yeah, I don't see this being that big of a deal in the long run.
2: <laughs> Eight times well, out of ten, the leak is coming from in the house.
5: That's a- right. HBO,
2: <laughs> look, look at who you ha- who you let have access to the the un- unsolicited mo- uh, episode. Just take a look at who you got there and who possibly could be angry at you to release it early.
1: It's coming from one, inside one. the house. <laughs> One quick thing, because we're already we're already uh, in the podcast point. We're not no longer live, but I do want to devote a few more minutes, and then we'll close shop. Uh, I was glad to hear, because I've always been a big supporter of the Van Peebles, both son and and uh, father, uh, Melvin Van Peebles, the great Melvin Van Peebles, and of course his son, also an actor and director, Mario Van Peebles. We know him from the classic New Jack City. I hear that he's back in uh, full effect with sci-fi. It's a sci-fi supernatural series, and it's called Superstition. Uh, I, I wonder if they're going to play uh, Stevie Wonder as the opening. You know, we, could, we better believe it. If it's called Superstition, they've got to have some kind of reference to Stevie Wonder. I'm pretty sure that's going to be the uh, the theme music. Anyway, um, from what I've been hearing, I mean, you know, I'm, gl- I'm kind of glad that uh, you know it's kind of a game. We're going to see folks of color in a supernatural TV series, on sci-fi, that's good news So uh, at least some places They're starting to explore Seeing some things I want Claire I'm always giving her the same assignment um, I saw, right before the broadcast I saw the latest Dark, Dark Matter And it has a female Asian actress As the lead, kicking ass For some reason I, I, I have no problem With her kicking ass Because she has some kind of not, Nanite, perfect human,
2: super soldier thing going
0: on so,
2: But she doesn't throw people across rooms Michelle O'Neill. Michelle O'Neil, those fight scenes are up close, and she's gritty.
4: I'm attracted to her. She fights pretty role. good, though. She
7: fights <laughs> <plays laughs> pretty good. The
4: plays a role. It's not <laughs> as good as blonde <laughs> <Gland> fights. <laughs> but she <laughs> fights For pretty some good. For some reason, I'm very biased that way. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: <sighs> but uh,
1: I want Claire, I want Claire to somehow get the time to check out. Um, dark, dark Matter. matter. And matter of fact, you know. Dark Matter is, is, is really gaining more and more uh, popularity because now there's an after-dark portion of Dark Matter, just like, you know, uh, the, the Walking Dead, Talking Dead, you know, some of these more kitschy, popular series. Uh, I think Dark Matter is kind of also going in that same direction. W- would you say that also, Daryl? I mean, I was kind of shocked to see that they have an after-dark, you know, talking points thing. After the after the TV series.
2: Well, credit to them and Joseph Mazzotti, who is one of the helms on, on Stargate. They recognize how popular it was on social media. So the last two or three weeks, last four weeks, the, the cast is live tweeting the episode along with the fans. And so two weeks ago they went, hey – the live tweet's going, well, we could do the live tweet, and then we'll do a, a show on, 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 um, on Internet right after the show so that the fans could come in and, and, and just go with this. They recognize the power that the tweeting has had. They're one of the most popular groups on the convention circuit. People just go gaga for it, and they're capitalizing. But they're not doing the D.C. Well, you capitalize it, it, may, it may make you pay for something else more. No, no, they're following the their fans, and they're gonna go. Okay, we're right with you here. We're right with you. It's it's great. They're recognizing the power they got, and it's helping them. Yeah, you know something else too. And I and I
1: feel for Claire in this regard. All, you know, we're we're all in the same game same game together, but it it is a problem when you see that this this lack of representation, and then when they actually put the, put it out there. And it works. Uh, you see, you wonder, you scratch your head and say, why isn't this done more often? Why is there such a, a, a reluctance to do something that oftentimes will probably work? Because this is just—it's like a zeitgeist kind of thing. This is the time to see this kind of representation, and um, you know, you see the familial aspect in dark matter. We have all these different—you know, male, female. You know, is the future. Um, it just it, it it befuddles the imagination how they, they consistently fight this as if it could never work and when they let go wow they're shocked that it actually works dark matter works when on paper it, it shouldn't be a uh, asian female actress as the lead kicking ass it would probably be some white dude and right. they decided to go in a different direction and guess what it it, it seems to be moving beyond the the normal sci-fi kind of sci-fi fare you know sci-fi uh, tv stuff can easily be forgotten and lost. But After Dark proves that, hey, this has got a, it's got a thing about it. It's got a thing about it. Go figure. And,
2: and the one thing about the, and I'll end on this real quick the one thing about these sci fi actors and these shows like Killjoys, like Dark Matter, like Midnight Texas, like all of these sci fi, they're on Twitter and Facebook and stuff as much as we are. And, they, and like I said, they interact with us. So they're, they're right there with us, and it helps. That, but the problem is the big studios and stuff, they don't know how to recognize that. And when they do recognize that, it's like Cap says, how can we profit from that?
1: Yeah, you know, I knew Roger, Roger Cross, who plays on um, plays on Dark Matter. I knew he, he was going to shout me back, because as soon as I saw him on Planet of the Apes, War for the Planet of the Apes, I said, I didn't know. <laughs> I tweeted him. I didn't know that you had uh, beamed down from Naraza to the Planet of the Apes, and he chuckled back at me. But it was cool to see that he, you know, he was doing double duty on War for the Planet of the Apes, and also he's a regular on Dark Matter. But you're right. Uh, Tamsin McDonough also follows us, and she plays the voice of the computer on Killjoys. And we saw her uh, embody an android last year where she got a chance to, to kiss. Uh, what's the, I forgot the actor's name, but he played Bobby Drake or his twin play, play Aaron Bobby. Nashmore Thank you. Uh so I mean he, uh, you're you're correct. These people, you know, they're so close to the cuff. They interact with their fan base which helps in their popularity. They shout you out, they shout you back. They know you exist, you know. They see you. No, I'm not going to play the clip, but you know, they see you. <laughs> um all right. I I one last thing, I promise, and then um we're going to have to close this this shop. Uh Actually, yeah, um, it was a comment by Andre 3000. I'm going to just kind of mention this and then move along. Because it caused a bit of a stir. I don't know if you heard about this, Daryl, but he was Andre Andre 3000 from the uh, world-famous talented outcast rap group. Long-awaited, fans have been waiting for this guy to come back with something new. I mean, he does uh, guest appearances here and there. I guess he's lamenting his age. He's 42. And which is, you know, really not old, but the way some of this fan base works for hip-hop, they will age you out. And he says that he can't imagine being a 50-year-old rapper. And already, people were getting on him. Like, you know, what are you saying? We saw that uh, a 50-year-old or nearing 50-year-old Jay-Z caused wreck with 444. What are your thoughts about him saying that when... Mick Jagger, although he's not a rapper, he's not hurting his bottom line at 74. He's still looking for satisfaction at 74.
2: So Well, I'll say it like this. If you're a rapper, MC Hammer, where dancing and dance routines are a major part of your thing more than lyricism, then yes, I can see at 50 and up it's harder to do the intricate dance moves and stuff like that. That's part of your thing. But if you're a straight rapper, you know, Age shouldn't matter, because essentially what you're doing is spoken word to a beat. And for folks who who, who think I'm, um, like, off base on that, LL Cool J opened the way to this, all right? By performing in front of a, a, a rock band for MTV Unplugged, all right? Oh, yeah. Take a, take a look at what DMC is doing with a rock band right now, all right? Look, uh, Zach Rocca with Rage Against the Machine, all right? Prophets of Rage with Public Enemy. You hear Chuck D say he's too old? So Andre 3000, understand this. We, we know for a long time your heart wasn't in the rap game. We know for a long time. Why? Because since you split with Big Boy, Big Boy's released four albums. You have dropped off the scene and went Hollywood. So... Hollywood's good for you, but don't say a rapper can't go can't go well after past fifty because man, you're out of touch. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna close out on this, but the problem also,
1: Darrell, and I hate to go there, but it's kind of a again, I hate to go into race, but black black culture and black people just cannot afford to talk this way. When you see the Rolling Stones, people forget the Rolling Stones, you know they are an iconic act, but they're also at this stage in the game. They are a business. They are a corporation. It's Rolling Stones Incorporated. And you ruin the potential for your, 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 your family to eat by cutting you off when nobody else does that. Nobody else does that. If, if, if Mick Jagger can still talk about I Can't Get No Satisfaction, when he, he was in his 20s when he first did that song. He's 74 years old. And he's still doing it, doing it with as much verve as he did fifty something years ago. Why, at forty-two, when Mick Jagger was forty-two, he was at his strength. So I mean, I just feel like we we shoot ourselves in the face by not allowing the, 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 our artists to mature. And matter of fact, uh, you might even discover a new artistic strain by by eight, maturing and kind of figuring it out and doing something different going into a
2: different phase. I these guys, I don't know. But but like I said, all right, when you say something like that, just say you can't see yourself doing it past 50. But he made it sound more like, well, I can't see any rap act doing it past 50, putting everybody in. And again, like I said, I went one time, hey, 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 you see DMC, you see Chuck D, you see what they're doing? Don't, don't, nah, it's for you, son. It's not everyone.
1: On that note, as always, folks, uh, past the live portion of the show, we still continue talking. Next week we'll do it again, going out on Tame Impala, Solitude and Bliss. Dial as always, appreciate you coming by. Of course, the uncanny does his thing, uh, Claire Lene and Captain Kirk. See you next week. It's been real.
0: We'll